Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock here in the UK. I'm John Hindhoff and this is Midweek Motorsport uh, live uh, from Hindhoff Towers. Uh, we, I think this is Series 10, Episode 46, if we're keeping count. All very important, this, uh, something that will become uh, more obvious later. Uh, Nick Damon is off to my right. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, John. That's Good enough e- from you at the moment. Thanks very much. We've got to be very, very tight tonight. Uh, and not, not up in London tonight, but up on the 34th floor, uh, which is all we can say for security reasons, uh, our executive producer, Tim Greer. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Good morning, John. Ah, yes. Well, I can't say anything more than that. We'll be back with uh, Tim at the moment. However, that means that up in London is Johnny Palmer, who's probably not expecting to talk to us just at the moment. Uh, hello t- hello to Johnny Palmer. Why would I not be expecting to talk ah, to you, John? Good. I am right. pro- producer extraordinaire and yeah. ready, willing and able whenever you call on me. Uh, right, excellent. I think we can probably lose the bed now, Johnny, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. I can disappear into, uh, into the ether and the... A one, two, three, four, fifth voice then, uh, as far as midweek motorsport uh, this week, is Shea Adam, who is in Daytona. Hello, Shea. Good afternoon, I should say to you. Good afternoon, John. Oh, wow, that's good. Uh, everything working uh, fine and dandy. Well, before we get into anything else, uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, as Rob Stevens says, he's tuned in from Austin, searching for Bernie's 33 million, still owed by uh, Quarter. Moni Elysium uh, at Daytona, uh, listening to cars, testing from the office. Perhaps not quite now. Uh, Chris Suku trying to get back to Munich uh, this evening. And uh, Right Turn Lover normally uh, would be in Switzerland, but he's trying to get home, I think, as well at the moment. Pete Newton says, uh, don't tell the boss, but for the second week run, I'm already parked up. Uh, I'm in the country, parked up, ready for the show. Uh, and Chris Suku, in fact, is, is delighted to be listening. His plane has been delayed at Terminal 3 at Heathrow until 2200. So he will be able to uh, stay with us. Simon Hoff, uh, um, not uh, giving apologies for actions, uh, uh, absence. He was in the Scottish Highlands last week, but he's caught up and live this week. Uh, just for WEC, uh, airport pickup will be on mobile single to uh, inside EMA. What's EMA Airport? That's a good one. That's not one I, I'm aware of. East Midlands. East Midlands. Okay, well done. Yes. Uh, I've, I've flown from all the regional airports. Yeah, all the to, regional. To all the regional airports and bits of Europe. Uh, Snap McKilvey has uh, flew tonight and will be fast asleep by eight. Uh, but he has bought his 
um, FIA WAC tickets for Silverstone and Le Mans 24. Apologies for absence for Paul Morcart as he's just got uh, dragged into a meeting, but he hopes to be back later, says Jack Shalowski. Uh, thanks, Jack, for that. Stuck in the A1 in Northumberland in the middle of a hailstorm with no 3G signal, says Nicky Swan. Nothing. I wonder how far up. Um, well, I, I can't talk to Nicky, but on the podcast, let us know how far you were up when you, you sent that up. Uh, apologies for absence, but I'd rather be somewhere else, says not right away. Uh, apologies for absence, no drawing, no listening. Man flu has beaten me, says Neil Gardner. Uh, Neil, your uh, drawing of my 993 is at the frame as even as we uh, speak. Uh, and uh, no Graham Goodwin tonight, because he, in fact, around about now, uh, will be uh, landing in Bahrain. I go out to meet him tomorrow. Uh, marshalling at the ROC, race of champions, uh, sleeping in a youth hostel, says Alex Brown. Uh, broken phone fixed, first live MWM for a while, says Dusty, doing some edits while listening. Uh, no need for absence, loud and clear, no storm Barney, says Duncan Ray, and so it comes on. Uh, Laura Donaghy says, missing the first part, um, in a social marketing media, social marketing media webinar, but I'll be tuning in soon. Mark Watkinson, hello. Uh, no apologies, cranking up the speaker while I work, says Jesse. And uh, Sarah Rigby with us tonight as well, so the clinic must have finished early. Uh, that is uh, our first piece of housework and has taken up quite a bit of time. Let's go straight to Tim Greer, who has uh, a little more. Tim? Yes, I'd like to follow up on last week's pointless press release of the week, if I may. Oh, yes, dive in. Now, if you remember, it was about uh, the Racing Engineering GP2 team and uh, their partnership with DHL. Yep. Uh, that was all it was I'd about, like wasn't it? Out, that was pretty much all it was about, yes. Uh, I'd like to point out that uh, one of the drivers for Racing Engineering is Jordan King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whose dad is... Mr. Sainsbury. Ex-Mr. Sainsbury. Now Mr. Keep Britain in ex-Mr. Europe. Ex-Mr. Sainsbury. And now head of Keep Britain in uh, Europe. So you can't used, really move Britain to... out of Europe, really, can you? Well, we are trying to. I mean, I know we're off the coast <laughs> of Europe. They moved Australia out of Australasia. Okay. What's Australia in now? Australia. Asia. Huh? All right, okay. Anyway, moving um, on. So, uh, Justin King used to be uh, the man in charge of Sainsbury's. Uh, you nearly, who, you nearly uh, said the man in a suitcase there, but that would have been Jason King, of course, wouldn't it? Yes. British. Who... Um, who have Sainsbury's outsourced their uh, supply chain logistics to? DHL. DHL. It's a great answer. Mm. Um, they're getting into all sorts of stuff, DHL, at the moment. So yes. They deliver beer to my local pub. They really? do. They <laughs> do car refettling and things like that as well now as well. For major car manufacturers. Really? Yeah. What things that come back in off fleet. Ah. Mm. Uh, so, uh, any more for any more do they, before we move on anything I'm wondering that is, is I'm sorry go on go on I just wonder whether they deliver everything, everything else at the wrong time when you just popped out for five minutes yeah almost uh, well let's yes, uh, stay in all day and wait for your yes. car to be refettled and then and then all when you the, drive it away the suddenly they then they realise they haven't quite finished it for you yeah. uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport it's uh, live tonight uh, John, Nick, Tim, Johnny and Shea, the full gang here, uh, apart from Marshall and Graham who aren't. So not quite all the usual features uh, tonight. But I'm going to uh, trail ahead straight away before we get into uh, any other news. Because the reason that uh, Shea is on the line and on the line uh, from Daytona International Speedway is because the 
Uh, we have a couple of special programmes tonight directly following Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Shea's been on site for the November test for IMSA, uh, which uh, now I'm confused, Shea, because this effectively is the, is, the, is the first action from the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2016, is it not? It is, and it's actually been funny chatting with a bunch of people who are like, oh, yeah, last year, oh, no, wait, that was still this year. That, <laughs> I did that this year. Um, so it's been hard for a lot of people to get their minds around, but it is the first official test. That being said, no timing. So you don't really know where anybody stands. You can sort of go down to turn one, John. You know the exact spot mm -hmm. I'm talking about, and watch the cars going into the first turn, and you can tell who's really fast and who's maybe not on it, but then the question enters your mind, are they not on it because they don't want to show their cards yet or what's really going on? So there have been a couple of cars who have maybe not been running up to the full speed, but of course they don't have to because there's no penalty for that at this point. It isn't a mandatory test and it's not as if this is the, the row before the 24, uh, which comes up in, in January, but there's been a, a goodly selection of cars and indeed some new cars there, the new Corvette, the new BMW uh, and a selection of uh drivers for the Ford. The Ford GT is here, but apparently there are no drivers there. It's been circulating <laughs> what by the power of by the power of mind. Well, I think it's right up Nick Damon's alley. I think it's remote control that they've been doing it because uh, you go up to the drivers and ask them for an interview or for a chat and their response is sort of programmed and they tell you they're not there. <laughs> no, but I'm looking at you. I know exactly. I've seen pictures of them. I've seen Marino. Uh, I've seen Billy Johnson. I've yep. seen Dirk Muller. I've seen quite a few other drivers who have been linked with that program, Richard Westbrook. Uh, yep. and they are there, so they can't say we're not here. Well, and, and that was sort of the comical moment was yesterday with Marino. Um, I asked him for an interview and he said, I can't. I'm not here. And I responded, <laughs> oh, well, it's your ghost I'm talking to then. And he goes, no, not even my ghost is here. So in fairness, Moreno had a plain black suit with no badges on it whatsoever. Well, in, in fairness, there's a, there's a reason. We're taking the mic a little bit because Ford are in a somewhat invidious position, uh, in all honesty, because there's a, a good reason whilst that, why they don't want to, the drivers to talk right now. Yeah, there is. And they will do the formal announcement later in the week. That's that's sort of a big thing for them. Uh, of course, the NASCAR finale is in Homestead, and it is sponsored by Ford. So they're going to make the announcement there. But it's still, you know, these guys are walking around, and, and the fact that pictures are being taken of them, and you can see Marshall Pruitt has put up some brilliant pictures of Olivia Pla behind the wheel. Mm. And you can tell it's his helmet because it's very distinct. And we know Joey Han because he's been linked to the program forever. So all these guys, the only real even surprises, if you would, would be Sebastian Bourdais, who, again, it's been leaked, and Ryan Briscoe, who's been hanging out a lot with his Corvette buddies. So there's no bad blood there. But all these guys just sort of saying, yeah, we're not going to do interviews yet. We're not allowed to say we're we're here. But um, no, the car's been running very well, though, I have to say. They have had a few issues going back and forth to the garage, but no damage, nothing like that. And they did look really fast going into turn one. It looks like a GT2 car, John. Uh, it looks like a prototype uh, to yeah. me. Are we expecting... Uh, Stefan Mucha uh, is, has been linked with the programme, Pla, you mentioned. But those are two names that I've heard mentioned to do with the WEC programme, the World Endurance Championship programme, and not with the IMSA WeatherTech Championship programme. Are we expecting all four sets of driving talent plus the Enduro drivers, or is it just 
the IMSA WeatherTech Championship that we expect to hear announced on, I think it's Saturday, isn't it? At, uh, at, uh, it is. At, at, to Miami. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be this week, and I think it was Saturday. I heard mention of the Ford 400, which would be the nationwide race. Um, but in any case, I think it'll just be the IMSA drivers because they let mention that they're not ready to unveil their complete lineups as of now, that those will be to come, and the complete lineups, including a potential DP or two to run under the Ganassi banner for the 24. Yeah, I've heard two DPs for Ganassi Friday, uh, is what we're hearing for that, for at least for the American uh, driver announcements. There are some unexpected drivers for the WEC that we can't talk about at the moment. Sterling not the ones. Loss. They're not the ones. That we, he's coming out of retirement. He's, he'll announce that too. Just, just to don't, don't, don't take the lift. Don't take the lift. Um, moving on from Ford, other GT cars that are brand new. Sheer, uh, we have. Uh, the new BMW M6 there, that's been running around quite nicely, and you've got some interviews from those guys. Is that, is that actually populated entirely by footballers? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, and, uh, and also Corvette. We mentioned that it's the new 2016 Corvette. Uh, and some driver news for them, including, and I have to say, Marshall Prout was across this ages ago, and I went, what? I haven't heard anything about that. Marcel Fessler, Mike Rockenfeller, uh, drafted into the endurance squad uh, and the Taylor boys, of course, involved as well. This is very interesting from GM and Corvette. It is, and it's a brilliant move by those guys because you look at the driver strength that they've had in the past. And to first off, looking at the endurance races that they're going to be running over here, having Fessler back in the team because he's run with Corvette before. That's a good match. They already know that that works. And then bringing Rocky in, when he, they sort of stole him away from Spirit of Daytona, yes. uh, the VisitFlorida.com guys, he's been racing in the States a lot. He's got a lot of recent experience over here. He'll be another tricky one to watch out for. In terms of the guys at Le Mans, I love that they're bringing Jordan back. I think if you've got a winning way, don't change it. But the fact that they're giving Ricky a chance in a really, truly car capable of winning that's even better because he's been there already a few times and he did well for himself he may not have been in the proper car for the time or with the proper co-driver but he still he didn't embarrass himself and now that he's going to be in a factory role it's going to be war of the taylor brothers at lamar this year mm, very very interesting what's the what's the atmosphere being like up and down the paddock as i said a bit odd not a mandatory test and not a full test um, we'll hear from some of the drivers in your two programmes coming later on this evening. But just a, a thought about the the atmosphere and how people, how excited people are looking forward to the WeatherTech Championship. It's been very relaxed, which is odd because even at the roar, things are usually a bit more tense. People are trying to take advantage of every second on track. And the one big thing that's really been messing with people today more than yesterday has been the weather because we started off the day with a massive rain shower that only lasted about five or ten minutes. But it's been doing that on and off sporadically all day. So people trying to run through their programs, well, they haven't been able to. But it's been interesting to see some new faces hanging around some garages and some familiar faces hanging around different garages. Uh, Spencer Piggott gets to test the Mazda, which is big for him, and he's fit right in. The guys have been joking about having an IndyCar driver on the team, which has been <laughs> to his detriment. Uh, Sean Rahal getting to drive the Delta Wing. He's like a kid on Christmas. He got out of that car after doing only three laps and was grinning ear to ear. 
Uh, you've got Simon Pagano in uh, the Action Express car, but in the five car in the championship, you've got Philippe Albuquerque, and then you've got um, Mr. Pruitt, which has been interesting. Mm. He's been wearing overalls with a French flag on them, so they're <laughs> they're forgiving their French compatriot. Um, but then the the other big one was Jack Hawksworth, who's planning to run this uh, 24 with Ranger Van de Zanda, Alex Popoff, and Chris Cumming. That sounds like a really strong lineup. Uh, and Graham Rahal getting uh, more sports car experience as well, we hear. Yeah, nothing has been announced yet, at least since I've been out uh, in the garage. People haven't officially been saying things, but look for him to be back this year. He's been with BMW for a few years now, and he's going to be back in the overall category. So that'll be an entertaining oh, in a, in a, to watch. In a, in a prototype. In a prototype. Ooh, From what I've heard, it will be in a prototype. Okay. Shane, we're going to let you go because uh, I know you've got to get back home before you fly again um, very soon. Thank you very much for covering the uh, November test, the WeatherTech November test, the IMSA uh, radio correspondent there was Shea Adam, and you can hear those shows directly after Midweek Motorsport tonight. Thanks, Shea. Thank you, John. Uh, Shea coming to us live there from the Daytona uh, press room. Uh, Nick Damon's eyebrows just about went through the roof when Marcel Fesler and Mike Rockefeller's name yeah. um, was mentioned to, to do with uh, to do with Corvette. Make of that what you will. Well, you know, they are both uh, Audi factory drivers, obviously Fasler in the LMP1 and uh, Rockenfeller still in DTM. Um, Corvette is effectively now a rival for Audi in the GT3 world. Um, Not it's a work a little, car. It's a little bit strange. Um, I'm great if they've got the run. I, I don't know whether it's a portent of... Other things to come, or just a, a straight a swapsy or what? It's really weird. There will be people who will be saying, "Ah, that's it. Then Audi must be stopping doing their prototypes." Well, no, I don't see that really at all. I'm just wonder what Marcel Fast. I mean, I don't. They're not particularly keen now in breaking up teams, but they do tend to want to lose uh, one driver a year from the lineup. Well, Graham and I are in Munich, eh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, and we shall find out. Uh, I believe what is happening. Uh, in terms of Audi's you plans, know, Marcel's older than you think because he's got younger than he faced me around. He hasn't been any, like Swiss. Any came really, but he, it's not beyond thoughts that they may decide they want to take one driver out and leave uh, Trillia and um, Lotra there and put somebody else into that, that car and in the kind of rotations it goes through. We've seen Audi drivers popping up in other places before, including the in, works in cars? P2 cars. Uh, well, the VAG group's pretty big. You don't normally need to go for GM, do you? No, that is true. Uh, but we've seen works drivers in private AP2 cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather like to look on the positive side of this. Mm-hmm. And instead yeah. of seeing no LMP1, does this mean that Audi are considering a GTE, a GTLM program? Well, I don't think there's any chance of LMP1 not happening, considering Audi have already announced that they're going to announce a 2016 R18 and they've got the it out the pages where you can find the information on it. Maybe a vault fast decide not to go forward then at that point, wouldn't very it? Very good for you. But um, uh, whether fastest fast and rock fair obviously are very senior Audi drivers. It, you know, there are advantages in sending lending your drivers out to other teams. They can get information on the way back. But mm. um, and there's not a massive you say there's not a massive overlap between what Corvette do and what Audi do. Um, before we. Uh, Move on from this little bit of sports car news. Uh, uh, another Volkswagen group. Uh, don't, they don't like being called that. Volkswagen don't, group don't, brand. Don't, Porsche don't tell them that. Don't say that. Have announced. <laughs> you just upset a lot of people. <laughs> uh, Dennis Olsen um, 
Mathieu Jaminet, that's uh, Norwegian Dennis Olsen, Frenchman Mathieu Jaminet, um, Matteo Caroli and Sven Müller. Have you, do you know anything oh. about these? I know Sven Müller, do you know anything about the other three at all? Caroli, yes, he's been driving sports cars. Um, Sven Müller has been on the edges. Mm. But, uh, he's been around forever. Yeah, and he's been on the, he's 23, he's the oldest of the uh, quartet. 19 for Olsen, 21 for Jaminet, uh, Mathieu Jaminet, Matteo Caroli uh, 19 and Sven, Sven Müller is 23. Johnny will have seen uh, Sven uh, driving. He's done a bit of VLMS. He's jumped in and out of cars. He did some testing, I think, at the Prelude um, or the whatever it was called at, uh, at Ricard earlier uh, in the year. So he's been on the, 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 the fringes for a wee while Um Interesting. That's that. That's for junior drivers. Um, you, you'll have seen Sven driving, Johnny. I have, yeah, mainly in the uh, FIA Formula Three Championship because, of course, we get to see that every year at Silverstone. It supports the mm. WEC. But um, I think he's he's been out in a Manti Porsche at Spa mm-hmm. earlier this year and got a third place. You know, with teammates, yes. But um, he's only 23. That's that's young, isn't it? When you get venturing into a sports car career. I'd, I'd, I'd think so. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not quite at Formula Fetus uh, <laughs> yet. Uh, Olsen's going to get a he's grant. He's been a Porsche factory driver for two years, though, uh, already. He's been a Porsche supported driver, hasn't he? He's not. I'm not yes, sure. He hasn't th- raced Porsches all of that time, but uh, in fact, uh, in 2014, I don't think he raced anything at all. He was just a, uh, a part of the Porsche program. Yeah. Uh, Olsen's going to get a grant in what's called comprehensive support in the Carrera Cup Deutschland, whereas the other three, Jaminet, Caroli and Müller, um, get what is termed backing in the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup. Um, that Mobile is Lines. Uh, Mobile Lines. Um, well, okay. um, it's not actually, it's Mobile One. They call it Mobile One. They never say Mobile Lines. Um, the... Uh, I, uh, this is a breeding ground for young drivers. This is Porsche going back to their roots for me. Uh, we've seen it in the past. Uh, it will be interesting to see which Porsche factory drivers are retained. Um, Frank uh, Stefan Walliser, who's the head of Porsche Motorsport, um, has um, pointed out that this is how uh, Earl Bamba came through. He came from Carrera Cup Asia and then came through uh, this way. Um, so they've all been to a test and basically got selected from the test. They all look about 11, even the even uh, Muller, who is who is Just 23. Just an update on Muller. Mm. He's not uh, in 2014, he actually raced in Carrera Cup Deutschland. Yeah. So uh, he was racing for Porsches and not just... Uh, Just doing his F3 stuff. Sitting watching them. Uh, what else has been going on? Oh yes, we've had a we've got a new date clash. I know you love calendar news, Tim, don't you? You really Ooh, do. I, do. Love. I love I love my Where's little calendar one? news. Well, VIR has moved away a, 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 a weekend further back in the calendar. This is the IMSA WeatherTech Championship. Sorry. Do you by back? Do you mean it's moved earlier in the year or further later? Later it's, in the year. It's okay. moved later in the year. It's so now clashing with the European Le Mans series. Correct. At Paul Ricard. The reason Why? for that is they've the Rennes sport at uh, Master Race for Laguna Seca uh, was on that weekend and BMW are the featured brand at Rennes sport this year and they 
wanted to, or at, at least at the uh, Laguna Seca uh, Historic, should I say, and they uh, have asked if it could be moved, and so it has been moved. Uh, so there, there is a, uh, a clash then. Yeah, they asked an envelope, didn't they? I don't know, actually. I, you know, how much crossover are there between ELMS and IMSA drivers? I suppose we don't know until we see who's the full season uh, entry uh, at that. All right, that's uh, already 25 minutes of the show. You're listening to Midweek Motorsports, Series 10, Episode 46. Uh, Cher Adam already making her... Uh, we're out of Daytona, where she's been reporting for us. Don't forget those two special programmes, IMSA Radio Productions, uh, coming up after tonight for yesterday and today's action. Uh, plenty of interviews uh, with drivers, team owners, etc. ahead of the start of the new season. Effectively is the start of the new season, isn't it? Uh, and they will be coming up afterwards. Um, I've sort of preempted a bit of news there, Tim, but do, do, shall we play the news jingle anyway? We'll play a jingle, Johnny. All right. So this is uh, Crown Court, is it not? Publi Coom. Oh, it's Publi. I always get it. I always get those two uh, mixed up. Publi Coom, for those that don't know, um, is (laughs) because you should know, shouldn't you? Really, you should do by now if you're listening. It's the most popular regular listeners will know. Yes, the most language Welsh language soap opera in the world. I love Publi Coom because I love the Welsh language because they haven't invented a new world for thirty years. For so, how long? For, well, at least. So basically, if you listen to it, it's like it's. I, I'm now going to insult world, but it's like, no, 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 no. Don't, like, don't, please don't do it. It's like please don't do it. Please microwave, Com- video recorder, yes. <laughs> video recorder. They don't say microwave. <laughs> they do because the Welsh have oh, two it's words. Oh, poverty ping, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's poverty ping. Poverty ping is the one that's not real. There is another word as well, which is actually proper word for microwave. Uh, my my favourite Welsh, bur- Welsh Welsh word <laughs> ever is uh, is still the Welsh word for squash, which is sponk. <laughs> anyway, uh, orange, orange sponk. Orange sponk, please. Or... Uh, that's the the uh, sport played with a uh, rubber, ball? A rubber ball in a uh, cell like enclosed room. Uh, this must be about the circuit of Wales, then. It is about the Circuit of Wales. We have two bits of Circuit of Wales news tonight. My goodness. Fire away then, Tim. I'm not the first. Well, one of, one well, of them is. First, first of all, they've appointed a new chief executive officer. Really? Anybody we know? Yes. Who is it? Someone you know quite well. Oh, no. Martin Haven. Uh, he is called Martin. Whitaker. Martin Whitaker, yes. Oh. I guessed that, by the way. Do you know what? But Martin has been chief executive officer at every new circuit that's Bahrain, popped up in the... Bahrain, wasn't he? And Abu Dhabi, and... He, he went to India for a while, I, I think. I knew him when he was the, the Ford uh, uh, Ford engine spokesman back in the early, late, late 90s. I actually saw him. Didn't he, it wasn't, didn't he have connections with the... the um, 
PR firm Prism as well. He, last, you know, I saw him. I last saw him uh, a few weeks ago when I was watching a Grand Prix in Dubai. Mm-hmm. He's their expert in the studio. Yeah. And he starts off, he says three words, and then they just simply translate him in Arabic. And that's it. You do, and after it, that, you can't hear him. No. So you, mm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Well done on staying off the uh, insulting accents tonight. Uh, the, uh, so Martin Whitaker <laughs> is coming back to the UK Wales. to run the Circuit of Wales, is he? Yes. Mm, that's he very says, interesting. Uh, it's with an enormous excitement that I look forward to working with uh, Michael Carrick. Uh, you're my favourite waste of, of time. Wasn't Michael Carrick that guy who won the uh, first lottery and, uh, the, and, and wasted it all by building a bangers circuit in the back of his garden? Was that Michael Carrick? Not Michael Carrick, the footballer, either, presumably. No. It's That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Mm. But, um, Paul Carrick was the one that was singing. My favourite waste of time, yes. So, has he, has he wanted to be manager of the circuit Wales ever since he was a young boy? Well, he's been a manager of every other circuit. So, well, it's the thing is, when you're getting a new circuit up and running, Martin Whittaker is the man who's at the top of the list. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. It doesn't matter what it, you know, what happens after that. Martin Whittaker is the man that you have for six to eight he months to get hat. it up and running. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what he does. He doesn't necessarily stay around and, and run it, but he gets it up and running. He knows all the pitfalls. Well, it could, it could literally be a pitfall in South Wales, couldn't there? Very good. Hadn't thought of yes. that. Uh, so that's the first piece of news. And the second piece of news is it good kind news of for... the second bit of news. Well, it's good news for Martin because be he might get paid. <laughs> I presume. Why would they be appointing a new CEO if they uh, didn't have permission to do it? And the second bit of news is that they have cleared their final planning uh, hurdle and they have permission to buy the site and uh, do what they want with it. And do they have the money? They do. They have uh, three hundred million pounds in uh, place to. Uh, and where's that come uh, from? Carry out the construction. Where's that come from, Tim? It doesn't say. Mm. Uh, obviously, some of it has come from the uh, uh, Welsh Development Fund. Right. Uh, heads of the Valleys uh, Development Corporation, in fact. Yeah. Uh, rather than the Welsh Assembly, um, and uh, some of it is private. Oh, good for them. Uh, and how long have they got? Um, how long have they got left on MotoGP before they've got to reapply for it? They've had one race out of their five, haven't they? Okay, so uh, they've got four years to get it built. Yeah, well, yeah. But they've also um, got to, to attract all the other race meetings, and they'll fall under. The, I, I, you know, they've got money, they've got management, they've got planning permission. I just can't see it working. How? But what? Whether it works or not is is a moot point at the moment. Somebody, um, I'm sure, have done due diligence, particularly if there's, there is uh, public money, large sums of public money being spent here. But how long is it going to take before it's up and running? That's the real question. Well, you can build a track in... Uh, certainly, if they started the now, they could be ready for season seven, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that the, would be uh, that would be. The actually mentions right. the time frame, uh-huh. uh, in that it says a uh, time frame const- for construction will be outlined when contractor no- negotiations are completed. Mm. Uh, don't forget, you can tweet us at uh, Specutainment or at the uh, at Radio Le Mans, of course. Does three hundred million pounds include the work on the the infrastructure to get to the track as well? 
Well, they're going to have mm. a problem of a, you know, an international race circuit on the end of a single track road, which we've seen in a number of other circuits. It's on the end of a single track railway. Mm, that's quite fun. Uh, let's take a look at yeah. some of the tweets coming in. Ted the Toyman says, apology for my latest. I slept in. He's on the other side of the world. Fernando de Silva, this is my so favourite. So I, no excuse. I, yeah, but you haven't been to bed yet. He had gone to bed, just didn't get up. I did. Uh, I ran out of apologies for absence to my English teacher. This is apologies for absence. That's very good. He's uh, confused me there. Well, he he has no apology to us because he ran out of apologies to his English teacher. I he's, see, been, right. he's been dolling off the class. Ah. Um, the uh, the uh, right turn lover says, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time since 2009 that Fesler has driven a non-Audi in a race, or at least it will be. Uh, El Perry says, I appreciate news, but if I was Ford or any of their drivers who made a point of disavowing, I'd be um, upset at Midweek Motorsport. The point is that we're not seeing anything, El, as I've tweeted to you, that isn't out in the public domain. Um, We're aware of other drivers, and in fact I'm aware of other drivers who've signed for Ford. But because they haven't been seen with the car, I'm not going to mention them. I do kind of think if a driver gets in the car and these are drivers we all know and we say, hello, I've seen so-and-so, I don't think that's really breaking a confidence. No. There's an embargo on it because they've turned up, they've driven loads of laps in a car and got out again. Yeah. Um, And uh, uh, two wrongs don't make a right outlook uh, to me. Well, I disagree with you entirely, El, uh, with that. We are assiduous at not breaking uh, any kinds of embargoes here. Um, there's not an embargo. It's not like we've been given news by Ford. Uh, what Shea, I and Marshall in the last oh, eight or ten weeks have reported, and Graham Goodwin, is what has been seen publicly. We haven't gone, as some people have, and listed a whole load of drivers and said some of these drivers might end up as Ford drivers sometime. <laughs> Um, what we have done is, is, is said what's been seen in public, and uh, if we've if we've uh, if we've upset your sensibilities, uh, then I apologise to you. But I really don't see that we've uh, done anything else. But if I'm wrong, collective, then please let us know uh, on at Specutainment. Uh, indeed, there is has even been IMSA footage of people like Olivier Pla behind the wheel of the car. So it's not exactly a state secret. Um, but anyway, there we go. Um, as long as you recognise his helmet. I think it's all right, because the good old boys won't know who they are anyway, so it's fine when they announce it in uh, Homestead. Mm, indeed. Uh, keep up the uh, keep up the good Twitterage then, uh, at Specutainment, if you don't mind. Uh, it was Owen Paul that uh, had my waist of time, you not Paul Carrick. You are time, you're right. Very good, Andy. Yes, you are very right. I had that song in my head all day yesterday. Paul Markart has joined us. Alfred Wallace uh, is uh, our, one of our Welsh correspondents and said, I'd love another circuit here, but really feel, in all honesty, uh, 300 million plus could be put to much better use. Uh, Miles Cook on the Circuit of Wales says, there'd be a huge amount of work uh, required upgrading dual carriageway uh, into... Uh, heads up on the heads of the valley road right next to the circuit of Wales so there oh sorry there is a huge amount of work going on on that's a dual right. carriageway Good. so there will be decent action I lo- in which case that's the, that solved my problem then build it I used to drive across the heads of the valley road quite often um, many years ago and I loved that road it's a beautifully scenic run not wishing to be too south centric even though we are 
South Midlands here. Um, where exactly is it in relation to Cardiff, the track? Uh, a little bit, a bit north and a little bit east. So, up, what, 30 miles from it? Up 20 miles from it? It's yeah. quite close to Cardiff, yeah, about 30, less than 30 miles, I'd have said. That's, uh, it'll, be, it'll be 30 miles mm. away, I would say. Biggest problem is, of course, you've got to pay to get in, haven't you? To Wales? Mm. Well, not if you come um, down from ross on Wye. Yeah, because I live in ross on Wye, don't I? <laughs> come down, is that the year 50? Does it get a helicopter? Uh, anyway, moving on. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Tim, where would you like to take us next? I'm going to stay in Wales. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Okay. Because we can. Um, and because I did say there were three bits of Welsh news, and we've mm-hmm. only given you two. All right. So we did need to uh, give you the third one. Uh, but the weather here on the 34th floor um, is... Uh, cloudless and dry and quite humid and uh, very hot yeah. and Shay was reporting that it's also very hot and humid and also rainy yes. Daytona. Uh, what's the weather been like in the UK uh, over the last few days? It's been very stormy it's about two storms, we've had the storm it's been very A warm. and storm B um, they, had, they gave them names I've instantly forgotten. A big gale a big gale was the first one. A did big no, gale. did uh, nobody else see that? I yeah. laughed my head off when I saw and what's a big gale. B is what? Barney. Barney, Barney Rubble. Barney this one Rubble. is trouble. Oh, yeah. a, a bit of trouble. People are taking the mick, right? <laughs> they have been asked to name storms for the first time in the UK and Europe weather conditions, and the first two we've had is a big gale, which mm. was very blowy, and a bit of Barney Rubble. So what's it going to be then? Uh, be careful <laughs> with that. I think we move on straight away from that. Tim, what's your point on this? Uh, the point is that uh, despite all the bad weather, uh, which included uh, winds of uh, Gale Force 8 uh, in North Wales at the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, Wales Rally GB, the final round of the World Rally Championship, did go ahead. And was not uh, reported anywhere. Oh, it was awful. And <laughs> the, final, the final day uh, had a cancellation threat. Yeah. Uh, not because went ahead. of strong winds, but because human remains were found a skeleton. Uh, by the sides of one of the stages. A, a skeleton. skeleton was dug up. Um, Who I... was digging for skeletons near a World Rally Championship course? <laughs> some forensic it was anthropologist, someone obviously. Putting up a did they dig up the World Rally Championship history and its, and, its, and its previous ratings and now there's nine people watching, no one reporting and no one knew even how... I live in the UK. This is the UK round the World Rally Championship. Even my Facebook feed ignored it. Mm. Well, mine didn't. It was... Um... Well, you're Paul King and yours. <laughs> Yes, it, and Jack Piper. It, 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 it is one of those conundrums that we've talked about before on this show about any form of motorsport that eschews uh, general free-to-air coverage. Um, and it has, I'm afraid, disappeared. Don't, we spent many, many months on this programme. What, three or four years ago now, Tim, when there was all this back and forth about who was going to run the WRC, the World Rally Championship, who held the... In fact, it's more than that. It's about five years ago now, isn't it? Um, and it's eventually ended up being a Red Bull production, hasn't it? No, it's a Red Bull promotion. Promotion, okay. The TV, yeah, they are the event promoters. Right. Uh, Red Bull Media House. They haven't done much with it, have they? Um, they haven't come in with the their... In, they haven't come up with their 
Well, not in the UK. Not in the UK, which is probably you know the the fourth or fifth best theoretical market that would be, perhaps in the biggest by numbers. I tell you what's most interesting was talking about being in Wales, um, Ralio, which was the uh, Welsh language coverage Welsh language. of uh, WRC used to have a phenomenal amount of coverage and I think he, has that been backed off as well now Tim? No they still do uh, they don't Welsh seem language to, coverage of every event they don't seem to do as the much the one though. in Wales they do daily coverage rather than just the, yeah. the um, uh, final day one of the chaps who did that Mark used to work with us when we um, when we invented Rally Radio um, and the uh, he was travelling all over the world, but I where did I see him? I think it was one of the shows, must have been this time last year, and he was saying he wasn't headed off anywhere this year to do the coverage. So it has backed off. I think the problem has been for WRC. It's in a sort of rebuilding era. Um, in, for how many years? Well, and that is the problem, Nick. There was I, I did see interestingly a bit of debate on Twitter and Facebook about this at the weekend, about the days when you would have gone out and watched a Group 4 Escort and you could have walked in to your Ford Rally Sport RS dealer on the Monday and bought one. And, William and Willard, got arrested. five days, blanket coverage BBC on two. BBC Two, yeah. Tony Pond, That's the UK. That's the UK. This is a global sport that has to be justified by the manufacturers by being able to use their global cars. It's not it's not a dissimilar argument as to world touring cars. Where are the world cars? Where are the cars that are marketed in the same way in multiple territories globally? Once you've once you've established how few of those there are nowadays, and Tim and even I many times have sat around trying to work out how many more or how many less, fewer um, uh, manufacturers there are now than there used to be that have genuinely world cars yes, there's none yeah, exactly, you might get away with the Volkswagen Golf well the Polo of course is what Volkswagen use in the WRC, yeah they sell it in America do they uh, it's the VW Fox, I think, Is in it? the okay. States, okay. or at least it used to be. But you see, therein you've got your problem. You've still got your problem. Um, it's you know, it is it is not consistent throughout the world. That's why in things like the World Touring Car Championship, of which more in a moment, by the way, um, the Citroen that is used in the WTCC isn't a world car, but it's the car that's used in their biggest markets, China and Japan, the Elysee is built in China for the Far East. It's not available in Europe. There's an aerodynamic advantage as well, by the way. But but the reason being that they are promoting it into those marketplaces. Very interesting. And I, I think you can you can look at all different aspects of world rallying. And, and bear in mind, I cut my teeth in terms of my motorsport uh, interest and career uh, on rallying uh, coming from the northeast. Um and it uh, it breaks my heart to see that the situation of uh, of World Rally at the moment. But there are a lot of different things to take account of. And when you've got someone like Sebastian Loeb, who says he's got no interest of, b- of being in it because the cars don't interest him anymore, that's clearly an issue. The cars aren't very quick. Oh, sorry, I'll take that back. 
The cars aren't as spectacular as they used to be. They simply aren't. Watching the coverage of the weekend, they looked slow. Now, mm-hmm. put me in one, I'd be a damn sight slower. Absolutely. Put my hand up. I am not decrying the amount of skill that goes into that and the amount of technology that goes into getting those cars and commitment that goes into getting those cars around WRC events. But there's just not the buy-in from the manufacturers, from the sponsors. Look at how many... I mean, where's the sponsors gone? Where are the big sponsors? Robert Kubica doesn't know what he's doing next year, despite the fact that he's been running uh, in top six, top ten all year, because as a privateer, he simply can't afford to buy a factory car, and he hasn't got enough sponsorship backing to be able to do that. And that's Robert Kubica, former Formula One driver, and somebody who you might think would have half a chance of getting a bit of, of sponsorship. Uh, your thoughts then, please. Uh, on the uh, World Rally Championship. Who the, won, by the way? Uh, well, uh, Tim will tell the us Rally that. or the uh, championship. Either. The championship was already... The championship was sewed up months ago by Sebastian Ogier. Yeah. Driving a what? Mm-hmm. A VW? VW, obviously. Okay, sorry. Um, and uh, the final round of the championship in Wales was won by Sebastian Ogier. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, did uh, and uh, from Chris Meek. Yeah, Chris Chris Meek. That was that was a good result from Chris. He's had a bit of an up and down season, but he's put himself first of all. Always good in Wales, though. Yes, and always good to get a good result in the last race or the last rally of the season, or the last event of the season. That that's sewed up second place runners up in the the, the manufacturers championship as well, didn't it? Uh, yes. Hmm. Uh, mm. For Citroen, used for next year as well. Yes, go ahead. They're not going to bother. Uh, which is that? Well, <laughs> it's a laugh the, from Johnny uh, in London. M Sport, M Sport team yeah. uh, might uh, be running one fewer car. So you're right. Somebody's not going to. Will they, will they become the L Sport team then? Very good. <laughs> uh, which means that uh, their two contracted drivers may have to share it. Or. Have a, re- a battle royal fight like Ronda Rousey. They'd go in the cage together. Mm. Uh, yes. Um, Unlimited rally championship. Unlimited rally championship. You know, I might watch that. Um, speak. Well, there is cage. there is sort of an unlimited rally championship. It's called Rally Raid. And this afternoon, Sebastian Loeb confirmed what we've been talking about on this program for quite some time, that he is going to become a works driver for Peugeot. And Peugeot come back to full international competition uh, in the Rally Raid series. Uh, They've been talking about it for a while, and it will be Sebastian Loeb who's back in that. And who's the sponsor? Total. Uh, Red Bull. Red Bull. Not Total. Red Bull. Sebastian Sebastian Loeb's a contractor Red Bull athlete isn't oh, he okay. hence the red bull car up uh, up pike's peak up the pier of pike's peak um comments from you on at spec your team and dave alcock um at gearbox girl uh, daytona uh, your daytona work is first race journalism you use public information to identify four drivers pete newton says if something's already in the public domain how can you be possibly breaking any confidence um Miles Cook says the West Brown Seven Bridge toll is our tax for you to see the great scenery. It also pays for all of our rain. Sorry, I read that without reading it out. Miles, that's very naughty. Um, you only pay on the way out as well, I think. You pay on the way in. Oh, do you? You pay on the way in. It's free for the Welsh to get out. I uh-huh. into Wales. 
Okay. Alan Prosser has sent a, a picture of the circuit of uh, Wales, and he said we had a coverage, daily coverage on Radio Plus here in Wales. Okay. Radio Plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Still in Welsh, though. Uh, and it's exactly 30.4 miles uh, between oh. Cardiff and Ebervale. So I did say it was just over 30 Ebervale. miles. Ebervale? Oh, that's good, because you're right in the mining, mining the valleys there. Uh, Alfred Wallace in Wales says maybe the WRC should move more of their coverage online. The coverage of the Bathurst 12 hours is a prime example, uh, example of how the coverage could be. It is easier to cover online. It is easier to cover rallying now because they only have three stages or four stages a day and they use them all. 122 times, Twice. don't they? Uh, uh, Matt Fernandez has joined us tonight. Hello to Matt and, of course, to all of our uh, French contingent. And uh, good to know that you guys are safe and well and listening in to us. WRC, um, uh, we're talking about here uh, at Specutainment. Uh, it would be fab if Red Bull Motors says right to turn love up would run a car it's black and white testing livery Ooh, okay maybe wrc needs to go back to the old group air eggs homologation special based heavily on road cars that your public could buy uh, mitsubishi of course uh, won world championships with mackinan down the years in a, in a group a car eventually became uh, uncompetitive but uh, that came in from turbo womble uh, why don't they just there was one major why... disadvantage to uh, that era of rallying, though, wasn't there, which did have a bit of a negative marketing impact. Was it that lots of idiots bought um, Mitsubishi and Subarus and ran them around car parks? They did sell an awful lot. That's not what I was thinking of, <laughs> what but were I'm you sure it did of? happen. What did, were you thinking of, Tim? I was thinking of all the people who actually died. Uh, yeah, but the modern safety can sort that out. Uh, people, have di- people have died in all forms of rallying. Uh, group Group N rallying, which is based m- mostly on cars, people uh, that can buy with safety. You, you've had deaths in that. You had very publicised deaths. Well, look, Group B rallying um, was knocked on the head um, when Teuvenen had his accident and uh, killed people in the crowd as well. That's the biggest uh, problem. And, and that is, you know, that is the issue that rallying is always going to have, the proximity of the spectators and the speed of the cars. Now, ironically, of course, those Group B cars in the 1980s, um, the current cars, I think, are at least as quick, um, if if not quicker through the corners, but they're probably, if they're not as quick, they're not that much slower in terms of seconds per mile. Certainly when we were looking at Super 1600 cars back in the day, they were as quick, uh, in, you know, I think they were less than half a second a mile slower than a, a Group B car had been. The Group S cars, which meant to have followed Group B, were effectively full-house prototypes. Group Bs did have some commonality with road cars. You had to build some of them. They were homologation specials. Group S cars were going to be prototypes. Uh, and in fact, the Group S... You've seen a Group S car, Nick. Mm-hmm. You saw the Group S MR2, uh, which, was, which had a Le Mans engine in the back of it. And basically, that was a prototype. Um, I, saw the, um, I saw the Group S Lancia uh, prototype only uh, at the weekend. Mm. In the classic car show. Wasn't running. No. But do you not feel, well, should they just make rallying rear wheel drive then? Wouldn't that make it better? Martin Haven said many years ago um, tyres with shoulders on them instead of squared off so that you don't do as much damage to the forests and rear wheel drive only. Make the cars anything you want. 
It could still be a Polo, but it'd have to be rear wheel drive. It doesn't matter. The silhouette car's effectively anyway. Mm-hmm. And at least you'd see them going sideways and you'd find out who could drive. And I, do you know what? I find it very difficult. Give them 600 horsepower as well, because they can't put it down. In, in, to make it go fast in the tarmac. Well, it do, break it doesn't matter. You can, you can give them a 1600cc or a 2 litre limit and say 350, 400 horsepower. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference. Give them 600. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, Alistair Darren says she used to enjoy British Championship, which could on lead on to WRC wild cards. Uh, now WRC seems so remote. Well, you see, there's another point. Well done, Alistair. Where's the British Championship nowadays? You know, it isn't. We've really struggled. Is it, there any British rallying that's not historic rallying? Yes, yes, there is. But British rally's gone the way of British F3. It used to be the must-have tick on your CV, same as F3 in Britain used to be. If you were a a single-seater driver, many world champions learned their craft doing British Rally Championship. But we are talking now 20 years ago for that, and it's never, never uh, regained that kind of importance. Um, and it's for the same reason as Formula 3, in that there is now a European, or there is a very strong European Championship. Mm. And that's mm. where everyone goes. Mm. Um, yes, fair point. Fair point, well made. Are uh, you listening to Midweek Motorsport? Just after 10 to 9, Series 10, Episode 46. Hello there. Uh, and don't forget, following the show tonight, share special reports from Daytona and the 2016 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Series season. Yeah, I know it's only November, but really it is. It's the 2016 first test. Uh, that's all still to come on a big Wednesday tonight. Tim Gray is on the 34th floor. That's all we're allowed to say for security reasons. Uh, wh- what is next uh, with you, Tim? Should we talk about some bikes? Motorcycling. Yes, motorcycling. let's talk about motorcycling. MotoGP-flavoured yes. motorcycling. Oh, go on then. Uh, I can hear the smile on Nick Damon's face. <laughs> well, we had some rallying. We are going from one end of the spectrum to the other, really, aren't we? Mm. So... Uh, Mark Marquez and uh, Danny Pedrosa appeared at a uh, Honda-sponsored uh, public appearance at the weekend. Yeah. And uh, what did they say? Absolutely nothing. Mm. They and weren't allowed that? to because they were because Honda were worried. I think it was Italy, wasn't it? Honda were worried that um, Marquez probably wasn't particularly popular in Italy at the moment, or ever <laughs> is the answer. How long he will not be popular in Italy for? Because whether he did it or not, yep. everyone in Italy thinks he did. And that's all that matters. So he is now uh, a persona non grata. He's a pariah. The persona non grata this is, is something. Ta- is this Latin, goes back so to what you were saying the other week, John. Sorry? This goes back to what you were saying the other week about uh, whether his uh, tenure at Honda was still uh, something that could. I, I said that and I got a bit of stick for that from, from one or two people, but I genuinely believe that you. When you represent a manufacturer like Honda, listen to the racing drivers that we have on this program. Listen to the people who talk to us who represent major manufacturers in any competition, whether it's touring cars, rallying, world championship in prototypes or GT. Listen to how they talk. Listen to how they represent the brand. All of those brands have values. Some of them are different from others. Um, You know, what might be okay for an up-and-coming brand like maybe a Seat um, 
or even a Nissan, a little bit more edgy, probably wouldn't work for Aston Martin or maybe Mercedes-Benz. You know, th there are degrees, absolutely. But the Japanese companies do tend to have one thing about them, and that is honour. They go racing with honour. Think about, going back to rallying, think about the scandal that Toyota Europe had when they were found to have gone outside of the rules, he says diplomatically, in world rallying and got thrown out. <laughs> it, it was... Well, it was no, terrible. Why have you not used the word cheat? Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, that, that one's kind of like a given. That's not that's not allegedly, or we have to go, or, you know, it, that, that happened. Yes, and they still hate to be reminded of that, even the people who weren't there then. It was a dark day. And, you know, whether or not that was sanctioned, whether or not what Marquez uh, has done was sanctioned, I would suggest not from, from Honda. I think that was a purely personal thing. I do believe, as as Tim has reminded us, that well, I I, I said I thought he might have burned his boats with Honda, and I, I believe that. Um, I, I certainly think, think he looked at differently. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah he's their their key asset, though, isn't it? I mean, Pedroza hasn't given indication he can mount a season-long campaign yet. We came back well, and he's now obviously much better after the ongoing on-pump problems he's had. But you'd still say. Over a season, your bet would be a Marquez. Honda want to win. They certainly want to beat Yamaha. Um, they have got a bit of a PR issue in that, you know, outside of Spain, every other person in the world who's a MotoGP lover, even if they are not a fan of Valentino Rossi, still thinks he did it, even if they think he was justified in doing it and well done for doing it. Mm. Everyone outside of Spain thinks he did it. So, you know, and I kind of broke one of the unwritten rules of not interfering in the championship, you know. It's uh, one of those things where we'll have to wait 15 years till he writes his memoirs and find out why he did it. Because he did. Mm. What was his thinking? And because there, there are a number of chickens that can come back to roost in the next couple of years because of that. At the moment, he's you know not very popular. Um, he won't ever be popular in Italy, but he can perhaps win it back in other countries. Well, even if he rides a Ducati and wins a world championship for Ducati. I don't think Ducati could sign him. Interesting. Interesting. I, don't, I think Ducati would lose a lot of uh, ground in their home market if they did. Tim, I'm mm. going to drop you for a moment and come back to you because uh, we're beginning to lose the connection uh, to yeah, Tim Gray. They're, they're, they're closing down room 34, aren't they, for the 34th floor? Yeah, yeah. Um, in just a, a wee moment's time. They're doing one of those kind of things where, you know, you kind of, uh, you can see it on the graphic, all the little, little bugs are running through the... Uh, integrated circuit boards and the wires and they're going to catch him yes absolutely they've traced him that's why we shouldn't mm. we shouldn't have mentioned the time zone uh, that we saw uh, uh, the rally tonight has has provoked a lot of interest from the listener um, mm. and about why rallying is is falling down Andy Blackmore is listening in tonight hello Andy uh, about time we had you on the show talking about uh, talking about liveries again um, he says Nick Damon saying uh, in response to the WRC charming, driving a what? That tells you everything that's wrong about WRC. He says Ford Focus and Fiesta are a couple of world cars, which has worked for Ford, but even they have scaled back their WRC uh, involvement. And he thinks actually the Polo Fox is a gen behind in Mexico uh, and South America. Uh, still on rallying, the uh, Alexander Orkin says, where's the publicity? Where's the passion? Where's the coverage? Oh. So uh, right. The 
no UK support. What happened to Kielder uh, and the RAC rally? And the Roger Albert Clark, by the way, has been cancelled as well. So you're talking about historic rallying. It's not immune. Absolutely not immune. Fabian says, great ideas from Mr. Haven. But the first thing is you need to see cars on television. 30-minute highlight shows are okay, but not when they have interviews two-thirds of the time. Uh, rallying used to be up there with Formula One in drama, uh, spectacle and ability. Now there's no spectacle. And it still is. Uh, well, yes, indeed. Ted the Toyman, and this is very, uh, this, I think this is very apposite. Um, can it be very apposite? I think this is an apposite uh, comment. Ted, spot on here. The problem with World Rally Championship now is most national championship have cars of different types and different regulations. Uh, and that has been an issue for, for quite a while. At uh, Specutainment, keep it coming, please. Uh, and a fantastic uh, picture of the Red Bull uh, Pikes Peak car in its black and white Red Bull livery. Stuart Hart has the last word on this before we uh, call half time. I grew up watching the Sunday stages live on the BBC and Top Gear nightly updates. Mm. Honestly, I didn't know Rally GB was last weekend. At Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, it's Nick. Uh, Tim, Johnny and me, John Hindoff. Midweek Motorsport, that's the first 60 minutes done and done. Midweek Motorsport. And if you thought that hour was packed with insights and comments, wait till you hear what's next. Uh, yes, we have another 60 minutes to fill tonight. We'll be looking ahead to the World Endurance Championship, the WEC Bahrain and the finale this weekend. And if you go on to... Uh, grid1.tv you'll see uh, my little uh, musings about the final six hours of the 2015 uh, series thanks to Izzy and the team for getting that up uh, this evening we'll also be talking uh, a little more uh, sports car news uh, Nick's here so we haven't talked about Formula 1 yet so we've still got something to talk about there after a Brazilian Grand Prix which was less than inspiring at the weekend Oh, and of course, uh, you on Specutainment, at Specutainment on Twitter. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. I was rather thrown off there by the, uh, the jingle disappearing in the middle of when I was talking and I wondered if we were still connected to London. I apologise. Thank you, Johnny, uh, for that. Uh, coming up next here at uh, Hindhoff Towers, apparently, is Pudding, uh, Mrs. H., has Yay! has reprised <laughs> last year's Frangipani top mm -hmm. mince pies, oh, and uh, they are about to be warmed and uh, and brought to us. However, Tim will tell us where we're going next, as far as the program is concerned. Pie. Tim, I said we will be going to Formula One. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about Frangipani top mince pies. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> next week on the show, yeah, uh, we're going to have some news about the Man of the Year show. Ah. Yes, the right. I Respect Man of the Year is show. That, is that our nominations when, when, then? When I say uh, news, yes, we will be asking for your nominations uh, in next week's show. Listen to the categories Let's again. have the categories then, shall we? So we can think about the that in the next week. Yeah, will be man. Nice, I know that one. Yeah, me too. Woman. Yes, know, yes, that, one. know that one. Team. Yes. Car. Yes. yes. I've got a very Young interesting person. one for car. Yes. No. I've got that. Is, is it, well, hang on. Sorry, I'm really being... I know I should... Is young person under 21 a young person under 18? Under 21 on the 1st of January yeah, this year. Old. Okay, carry on. Okay, carry on. You are, yes. Uh, and uh, non-driver. Right. Right. Okay, non-driver. Okay. 
Uh, we've cut it down to six categories uh, for you to nominate this year. We've you've scrapped uh, race abolished of the year. our. No, we've abolished our entity of the year. <laughs> entity. Did, did I miss you say race of the year then? Uh, no. Did we do a race of the year before? Oh yes, we've done race of the year. But that's we oh, already know that is. We can close that now. Mm, yeah, it's it's MotoGP at Phillip Island. That's that's it. And. Uh, obviously, we have the I Respect Listeners Award as well. The I Respect ah. Listeners Award to the person who you feel as the Midweek Motorsport uh, listenership has made the most impact, who has shown the most respect to the sport, who has done for you uh, things that other people haven't as far as motorsport this year. Um, do we need to get them? Are we doing that as we have done last year? We're going to ask for an open nominations for that, Tim, and then uh, knock them down on the night to a, a certain number and ask people to vote. Correct. Yes. So next week we'll give you details on how to submit uh, nominations, and then we'll uh, cut that down to a short list on the night. Mm, okay. Johnny Palmer is listening into this. Um, uh, we haven't had Johnny's nominations in the past. Would you, would you like to do some nominations for, for the Man of the Year? I think Short I would like to do some nominations, Johnny. You've yes. seen an awful lot of motor racing this year, and you've been That's involved been in enough. I did, just before this programme, we were listening back to the final ELMS race. You and Bruce have had a, a rare old time doing the ELMS <laughs> this year, haven't you? We've loved it, frankly, and uh, we were very pleased to hear that there's going to be another round next year if uh, if we're invited back again. And, yeah, I've done some Super GT stuff with Sam Collins, admittedly not, I, you know, actually at the venues, but nevertheless seen some racing from the other Super side of the GT. world, you know. Yeah, it's I did a great. couple of Super GTs early in the season, mm. and I, I really think that that... That is a series that is, um, sadly, a very well kept secret. Uh, it really needs a, a, a bigger, a bigger audience. Um, I'm not sure how we can um, convince the organisers that, uh, that what we do um, um, is is helping, and that there is a, a broader audience outside, outside of Japan. To be honest. All right, Johnny. Well, we'll we'll get your uh, nominations then uh, for for Man of the Year show coming up. Uh, Later on, when is the Man of the Year show? Are we not mentioning that yet, uh, Tim? It's third or second, second December. It's not. It's the, I believe it's ninth of December, but we're not allowed to mention that yet. Right. Okay. Uh, coming from a, a glittering, uh, uh, a glittering from, venue. Yeah, not from here, definitely. The um, glittering venue. Easy. Careful. No. You don't get us back. We're not here ninth of December. No, indeed. <laughs> the um, uh, also the there will be of course our usual end of season review programs as well and Johnny you'll definitely be involved in this because clearly uh, you have had the best view of ELMS this year so that's something that uh, we'll have to sit you down in front of a microphone and get perhaps myself and Gooders uh, to have a chat with uh, maybe even see if we can get Bruce on the line date for that. That, when is that when is the ELMS show going that out that is on Thursday, the 4th of December. All right, getting them in early this When's year. When's the F1 show, then? The F1 is on Wednesday, the 16th of December. We've put a whole 10 minutes aside for that review show. <laughs> 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 do, do you mean Thursday, the 3rd of December, Tim? I mean Thursday, the... Yeah, live live, live calendar diary talk. It's Tim, <laughs> Tim in heaven now. He's in heaven. He's yeah, getting my, his my, own diary. I do mean Thursday, the 3rd, yes. <laughs> it's because... The first of the, or the first day of that just week, the Monday is actually still in November. You've yeah. won. Move you've on. won, Johnny. Johnny, you've just won the internet, mate. <laughs> yes. Well done. 
Uh, just after five minutes past nine, midweek motorsport, live on RadioLamont.com. Uh, Ted the Toyman says, uh, race of the year, definitely the one I was at at Phillip Island, MotoGP. Um, might as well have the uh, the scrap the race of the year, says Adam Green. Same, same there as well. Uh, let's move on to Formula One. Yay! Uh, and uh, before any... Oh, the pies have arrived. Excellent. Uh, the mince pies have arrived. And before we move on to any news, okay. here's what you're tweeting. Chris Bell, how can any race series produce such a boring race at Interlagos? It's beyond me. Shows the current sorry state of Formula One. Alfred Wallace said, I watched Formula One the next day at twice speed. It was still boring. Uh, Interlagos deserves better racing. Now, this is not me saying this. But I have to say... It was terrible. Paul Dunk and James Dunk were round here. I haven't seen them for ages. We looked forward. We had a great lunch. Uh, Eve did a fabulous recipe with uh, with ox cheeks. Or beef cheeks, rather. Well, you didn't use your own cheeks. No, <laughs> indeed. And uh, and we settled down to watch the Grand Prix full of excitement. Uh, first of all, I couldn't really see very much difference in the pit lane. Indeed, it looked like the pit lane hadn't changed very much at all. They built some stuff behind it. Yeah, it's behind it, though. But the old, uh, the old press room... Um, that leaks like a sieve uh, was pretty much left. So you're alone. surprised that the Brazilian words yes, hadn't it, been carried out. But it, it overran, and all it did was anyway. Let's not even go there. Mm-hmm. They were meant to be knocking the whole Boots lot and down, stuff. and clearly, clearly they didn't. It was it was less than exciting. I think it's it's uh, fair to say. I got very confused watching the first few laps because I don't know. I was I was kind of thinking, are they trying to not show Mercedes again? Because all we all we saw was like a Toro, a Toro Rosso battling for a, a battling past a Force India or a you know, you know it's all the big struggle now for ninth. And I'm thinking yeah, but the two leaders and then and then and then we finally saw the two leaders and it was like whatever. And uh, then Vettel trolled round being Vettel going oh I'm doing really well I'm doing really well I'm doing no you're just trolling round and Kimi was way back because he did an extra stop and they managed to ban someone for something which was quite amusing with Massa got kicked out. Uh, no, it's a terrible race. Um, it does it does appear, just to put this in perspective, that the Mercedes car does have the best aerodynamics. Therefore, unsurprisingly, it is the most affected by travelling in the wake of another car. The most um, the most exciting thing um, came out of um, something poor Fernando Alonso had to go through <laughs> in qualifying. Laura Donaghy points out and. Uh, places Alonso would rather be the Very power good. of a hashtag. Oh yeah, and the Where's Wally one was apps that really did win the internet they did, they did, for me. The, the, there are men, obviously the number of people with a knocked-off copy of Photoshop is unbelievable because I'm sure not everyone's bought. Otherwise, Adobe would be the richest company in the world. Mm. But um, yeah, he was Photoshop everywhere. I think yeah, the race you was get free one-month trial these days. So. Do you? Okay, I didn't. Yeah. The, the race was um, yeah. I also got, I actually got really, really irritated with all the reports after as well, going, oh, this is a resurgence for Rosberg, Rosberg's got Hamilton's metal, and I'm thinking, do you do you not think that, you know, the fact that Hamilton Rosberg... Hamilton didn't want to be there, Rosberg was Rosberg is winning the race. You know, I'm not saying that Hamilton didn't want to win the race when he did it, and Rosberg won the race fair and square, so I'm not, there's no complaints on that at all. No, no, no. But it's really easy to win something when it doesn't count. No, listen, Hamilton, Rosberg didn't, has Hamilton had didn't want to be there. He wasn't feeling very well. He'd had a bit of a cold. One word he'd, for it, yeah. He'd stacked his car. He'd no, his al- no alcohol no involved, right? He said he'd been partying. He was tired. Um, he banged into three other cars in Monaco in his Lewis Hamilton Special Edition uh, Pagani Zonda. Yeah. 
Um, Mercedes-Benz engine, of course, mm. that car. Uh, he got to the race circuit a day later than he should have. And, you know, he, he hasn't won at that track. And that is something that motivates him, clearly. But you almost saw the fight taken out of him when um, when Rosberg took pole position. Well, Rosberg took pole. I mean, this is the thing. I'm saying, right, Rosberg drove really, really well, as in, 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 in Mexico. It appears very, very difficult for the Mercedes to, to overtake each other. Hamilton followed behind Rosberg, trying quite hard for five or six laps and shot his tyres. So who was faster? Who cares? Because Rosberg won. But, it's, but Rosberg has this situation where he couldn't win when it counted. No. And he did and have that one one or two bits of bad luck. What, no, what? no, no. He's, he, the, he had one extra bit of bad luck over Hamilton. He's going to finish the season 60 or 50, 60, 70 points behind. What do you make? What store, if anything, do you put in the theory um, that David Coulthard mentioned on the BBC? And one or two, I've seen this mentioned by one or two others about the... the Relative performance of Hamilton and Rosberg has been equalised, at least, or the playing field has got more level since the change in the tyre pressure and tyre temperature regulations. Yes, but that also coincided with the championship being out of Rosberg's reach. The fact is, it comes down to it that both of them can do the same lap time, and it's down to the brain most of it, and this mental stuff. And Rosberg's relaxed because he can't win anything, so he's just doing showboating driving. And Hamilton is whatever Hamilton's he made says. Fewer mistakes. Hamilton is is a couple of you know is not going to be running at total bottom mental out stuff. mental stuff. Yeah. So you know I'm not particularly surprised. I'm just I'm just I think obviously already the press are trying to build something up and, and make it bigger and the British English speaking press especially because they, they they know a story negative nor positive about Hamilton will sell. Um, is it, uh, the Gazette of the Sport was quite good. They said it's not really very important. Championships over. Anyone can win. Anyone can win the championships over, and it's is it? it how, yeah, Lewis Hamilton going holiday now. For you know, for for Rosberg to convince me it's going to be different next year, he needs to be doing this um, in the when middle of the counted. season when it counted. This doesn't count. This is this is yeah. It gives you some bragging rights. It makes you feel better about yourself. Great, but you hit. And it's in, like in, scoring a hat trick when your team have lost eight nil. Exactly, and, if you, and, and yes, you I'm sure that, uh, there may well have been a slight change in the car, which has meant that. Rosberg likes it better. Well, bad news, Nico. You've got a brand new car next year, mm. which will be designed to the new to those regulations. Um, what about Manrusia? Um, the change of, uh, of of management there, <laughs> Alex. Uh, we we were tweeting at the weekend. I, th- I saw the BBC. This last week. Yeah, uh, we we mentioned this last week. The BBC have caught up with it today on Formula One. I know. No, Alex wasn't Dave Burt. Ryan sort of announced at one point and then not. Well, well Dave Ryan. Is director of racing, I believe. Right. Uh, Alex Verts was approached to take team the principal gig. team principal gig, but turned it down. Uh, now Dave Ryan has got what twenty odd years oh God, of 30, experience. Thirty years, of, obviously mostly with McLaren as their yeah. team manager, and and still runs the McLaren GT team, yeah. of course. Yes, after he, he left um, uh, McLaren under a cloud, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he left. He left as part of the um, the cull well, after F one. The F one team after now. the cull following the fallout. Hundred million pound fine, two thousand and seven. Oh, oh, the photocopier scandal. Mm. Right, okay, understood. But he stayed in the McLaren organisation, uh, either officially or unofficially. He stayed runs with Von Ryan, Von Trapp, I was going to call it, uh, Von Trapp Express. Of course, you would. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he's, he's climbed every mountain since then, though. He hasn't? has, and he's forded many streams. Yes. Uh, 
I mean, so how do you solve a problem like Marussia? <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Tim, you get the hat for this week. Yeah, That's very good. So it, how yeah. does he do? How, I mean, is he, a, he? I would say, from the outside, that looks like a good hire. Um, it's not going to solve all of Marussia's problems, and it'd be interesting. You feel that Graham Loudon and John Booth aren't perhaps telling the full story at the moment, and it'd be interesting to find out when they come out of their undoubted gag order and get paid the money what is really going on there but um, that looks like a decent hire to me from the outside yes it's a, it's a solid hire it's not you know the thing about it is is, is that what uh, Marussia can sorry what, what Manor can do will be down entirely into how they spend what little money they have on the new car combined with the uh, the, the, you know, the massive um, push they're going to get from going two years away you know, more than that, really, two, effectively three years forward with the engine, going from a 214 um, Ferrari to a 216 uh, Mercedes. It would be a huge jump for them. But yeah, the cars were four and a half seconds off the pace you know, for everybody in a very short circuit into Lagos. Um, that is going to take more than a lot of horsepower to make up. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, you know, the fact is that this, this season is, is waning terribly. Uh, we've got one more race to go. And then afterwards, what might have been quite interesting, which is the new Pirelli test is now being now a closed door test. So if that's not uh, being advertised it? properly. And, you know, again, the end of the year, Formula One decides to look at its shoes and see there's a bullet holes in it. Um, you know, but <laughs> what being shot from a distance of about yeah, knee height. I know, and it's and then they're coming through to 16, and people are already moaning about the 17 rules, and no one's sitting around and trying to push it. And the only everyone's hanging on to the concept that Ferrari can catch up the distance to Mercedes, <sighs> which frankly is probably not going to happen. Um, we've got a little more clarity on the engines going <laughs> forward. Y- yes. In that the uh, the game of brinksmanship in a Max Mosley style has been thrown in by the FIA. They've actually sent out a tender. Well, Max, Max Mosley's back, isn't he? Well, Jean Tot, yeah. He's he's but he's there. He's the the spectre <laughs> of Mosley hangs over over the paddock at the moment. This is all very Mosley-esque. This is not Toddism. This is Mosley-esque for me. And if this hasn't come out with the FIA and this has come out of Burnley, which no, is what everybody's well, it wouldn't surprise me. But it's effectively it's it's let's give you the uh, the nuclear option, and then you can you can range back to what I want. Uh, the the tenders have to be in by next week. Yeah, you can basically use an IndyCar engine. Mm-hmm. Um, you might, I think you might have to slightly sleeve it. They're a bit vague about the CC. They're, they're, they wanted them to produce about 870 to 900 horsepower, but that's all the time, which of course is more than the hybrids are producing when they're not. Um, and they have to cost three engine. shillings and four pence. I think they? actually they've, they've said it's, it's three goats. Um, possibly you can <laughs> barter for some human hair, and of course, unfortunately, it's also your firstborn child, regardless of sex. Right. Um, right. So yes. yeah, no, it's it's. Who's going to use the engines and? You know, the only well, first of all, is anybody right now, with there being no certainty of any customers, mm-hmm. is anybody going to tender for it? Yes, you? because tenders don't cost much money. It costs you a few hundred pounds to answer a tender. Well, in Formula One terms, it'll obviously be a few thousand pounds. Yeah, but the, and I'm sure that Mr. C. Osworth and Mr. M. Illion... Ah, no, no, he's at Red Bull. Yeah, but he's the, what's the, what's, uh, the, the engine manufacturer. He's got a, he's building Chevy engines, which is basically the same. Anyway, obviously Honda. He's building one of the IndyCar engines, which is basically the same. They will they will tender because even you know because it's it, it's not going to cost them any money to just to, to slightly repurpose an IndyCar. Obviously, it costs them very little to slightly repurpose an IndyCar engine. 
Um, It'd be funny if Cytec got it. You know, and they're, and they're saying, you know, there's going to be no, there's going to be no limitation on fuel, so you can use as much fuel as you like. There's going to be no limitation on exhaust, so I, don't, I wasn't quite sure reading that, but that meant they were they were not limited. They want them loud, loud. Well, yeah, I, I, I assume play they're still going. Like, I assume they're still going to limit how they exit the car. Otherwise, they're, they're opening the concept of exhaust blowing diffuser of one sort of engine, not the other. Um, so at the moment, it's, it looks to me as if it's a scare tactic. Of course it is. Of course it is, because the only, the only team that could could pick up that engine and do anything with it that would bother anybody would be Red Bull, of course. Um, and then, of course, yeah, it's, it's written in such a way as to, to, to make everyone fit about everyone. Ferrari and um, uh, Mercedes, and then to a lesser extent, Honda fear that. So they'll end up effectively supplying their engines to other teams for less money or making more supplies available. I mean, the interesting thing is, though, you would, you know, as the hybrids get more mature, having last year's engine gets you less of a, a handicap. So you do kind of think that this might work itself out anyway, because you know, because we always used to when we had, when we had works engine manufacturers back in the late two thousand, uh, late nine hundred and two thousands, there were lots of people using their last year engines, and they were that's, yes. what, that's what you did with your mid range team. And so you didn't that, hear me for a while there because I you were was panning. I was frangipani yeah. mince pieing. And so good. you know, I think if you get to, would a two thousand seventeen maybe be that much better than two thousand sixteen? Probably not. Dave Alcock says, do you think LMP one works cars could have matched F1's best lap times at Interlagos this year, given the improvements in LMP1. Yes, actually. If you look at... It's quite a short circuit, so I don't expect to see the six seconds that we took out of qualifying times, although not race times at Fuji because of the bad weather. But I certainly think three or four seconds, it would have been a lot closer. Uh, no doubt to me. I was quite surprised at the lack of pace. Um, in in F1 this year, the, they've altered the curbs apparently, which has taken some of the speed out of the track and the, and the track redesign. But um, yeah, it, it look in fairness, we've had a number of circuits this year that haven't done what they're supposed to do, both in Formula One and in WEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuji and uh, particularly Shanghai was one that the, the the circuits didn't rubber in as people expected them to. Now, all right, there was weather involved um, at one of those. Um, we had a similar issue at uh, Kota um, for WEC. No, there, was Formu- similar, there was a similar thing with Formula 1 in Kota because they couldn't get the car, t- even when it dried up, the tyres weren't working, Correct. were they? Correct, and they had the similar thing at Interlagos. So there's something odd going on in terms of cir- circuit surfaces or tyres or combination thereof and how they interact. And we've talked before about this pun completely intended black art of tyres. It's not just about the grip that tyres perf- uh, provide in sitting on the road. You've got chemical grip, you've got mechanical grip, chemical and, you've got, grip. and you've got aerodynamic grip. You've got yeah. three different sort of grips yeah. going on. And, it's, uh, and, and if you ask the tyre manufacturers, they don't understand exactly how it works. Um, yeah, I think I think the uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix is is not one for one is one to remember for very long because it was just a turgid race because the top four didn't do anything. Very interesting as well. Bruno Senna made a point when he was commentating on the television. Excuse me for a moment. <laughs> That's a cough, not a frangipan. Thank you. Um, I did hear that. Very uh, through Nick's mic, I'm sure. <laughs> um, th- the attendance didn't look great in the do early you know part of the really week. Really weird because I was I, when I watched the aerial shots. I remember having been there for for, for Grand Prix. It, it, it's a, let me tell you right now, Salpo is a horrible place, but it's a fantastic Grand Prix. No, it is. Um, the atmosphere is unbelievable. The people are great, but as soon as you get out of the environment of the circuit, you just literally, genuinely fear for your life. And that's the only place I've been in the world 
ever that I could actually say that. But um, you, there came, they used to be standing. It wasn't really standing room only. It was like squeezing room only. You went up the hill. That first down was almost completely empty. Well, interesting. Bruno was saying that they've changed the way they sell the tickets. And now the only GA, the only general admission, is a few places around the far side. And what happens is the grandstands, which you see the most of, are now pretty much all corporate seats. And Mm -hmm. so nobody bothers going there on a Friday, and not everybody goes there on a Saturday, but they all turn up on a Sunday, or the vast majority of them. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look particularly The problem is when you've got corporates, if the weather doesn't look good in the morning, you're not feeling too well, if it hasn't cost you Mm -hmm. for your seat, you're not going to go. I know. And that, I, I, that's a shame because the, the atmosphere and the passion of the Latin American and South American fans for any form of motorsport, but particularly for Formula One, is pretty much beyond compare, isn't it? Let's oh, be yeah. honest. Fantastic. But yeah, I think it's. I, I mean, I, I don't think we're, we're expecting anything much better in Abu Dhabi. The press are trying to build it all up. That, you know, Hamilton must win this one, or otherwise he's going to start terribly on the black foot for 2016. I don't really see that at all. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. I should, 20, I should be less cynical, shouldn't I? <laughs> 25 past nine, Nick Damon talking Formula One at the moment. Let's have a look at some of your comments to at Specutainment. Uh, Daniel has just said, I've just read the Eiffel Rally Festival in Germany. He's trying to get Group S cars to run next year. I need to know, because I'd like to go and see that. How many runners are there of Group S cars? I was about to ask the same question. How many of them are there left? Well, they're, they're all left. In, they're a, all left, but not running. A bloke in Ireland owns most of them, is the short answer to that. Um, there's the there's there's at least one MR2 in private hands. I think there's still two at the factory. There's um, there's a land there's a couple of Lanciers, Group S Lanciers yeah, in, yeah. in private hands. Um, I think there's a prototype Peugeot in private hands as well. That one, if, if if that's the one I'm thinking of and I'm not getting that confused with something, somebody will tell me. That's <laughs> that's in Ireland as well. Um, there was a Ford Group S car, of course, um, which I think was still born. Um, there was also a Golf uh, Group B car uh, that would have become a Group S car that, that I don't think got built, but the engine turned up in a... An LMP2 car, a Lehman engine in an LMP2 car at Le Mans. That, that's popped into my head from nowhere, so that could be completely made up, um, but particularly the, way, <laughs> the lack of sleep I've had over the last few weeks. Uh, it'd be worth it'd be worth seeing. Um, it would be worth seeing, I think. Um, nothing has annoyed me more than Formula One drivers complaining about curbs, says Mark Thorne. Um, they do know the track ends at the white lines. Well, no. That's it does in the UK, though, in fairness. That's but, how you drive a Formula 1 car. But it was interesting to see who could best with the changes in the track and how much of the kerb you could and, and couldn't well, use. The best person who, who coped with it best was someone who's never been there before. Yes. You're talking about Mr Verstappen? I am indeed. Um, how good is Max Verstappen? Um, he's good for 18. Mm-hmm. We'll find out how good he is in two or three years' time. You know, he's not he's not comprehensively trouncing Carlos Sainz. He's he's very much more spectacular, but the actual end result is nothing. Is not massively better than Carlos Sainz. And it, but it's it, yeah, it, it, it's what sort of push forward we make in year two. It's going to be more difficult for him to make an impression next year because they're almost certainly going to be having the the year old Ferrari engine, so they're going to be at a slight disadvantage. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he handles 
year two. I mean, it's not all new when people are expecting him and everything else. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious he is a, a rare talent. He's so young, he's started. He's got plenty more years to get it sorted out. And he's very much been penciled in for the next time one of the uh, big teams has a, a spot, a spot then he'll get in. And probably they'll all have one next year. David King has just tweeted a picture of the Aston Martin Vulcan track day car at Rockingham today, which I'm really annoyed that I missed. I would have had gone up and had a look at that today. I've tweeted uh, that on. Uh, Eiffel Rally Festival site has just been uh, promoted by Daniel. I'll retweet that as well at Speculative. And James Scantlebury says, uh, re-empty seats. Same problem they've had at the Olympics. Corporate seats equals empty seats at either um, what are perceived as less exciting events or particularly preliminary rounds. It's very true, of course. Uh, and Stuart Hart saying, re-engines and privateers. P1 now needs to assess how they'll make non-hybrids more competitive in WEC. I understand ACO and FIA will have talk, talks at Bahrain and we'll talk about Bahrain in a little while. Stuart Hart has just tweeted a picture of the Group S Audi rally car, which was a very weird looking thing. Uh, looking like a cross not finished. between a uh, short-tailed uh, Le Mans car and a uh, very, very short uh, Quattro Sport. Uh, very odd. Mid-engine, most of these. Um, Tim, you got anything else on Formula 1 before we move on to the weekend's action? A couple of things. Go on, yes. fire away, we'll, and then we'll get on to uh, WEC. So, do you remember a couple of years ago? No, a couple of months ago, oh, well. when we were talking about the... Uh, Red Bull in engine situation. Yes, that moves and, about uh, Red Bull or Christian Horner came out with a statement that uh, Red Bull had uh, asked everyone and uh, no one was willing to sell them an engine. Yes. And Honda came back and said, you haven't asked us. Yes. Uh, well, Honda have uh, now said, it's too late. If you want one of our engines, uh, you've missed the deadline. We can't make them now. Oddly, I don't really think that Red Bull wanted one of those engines. As the, as the concept was going around about a frying pan fire was, was all there was to have. But, um, yeah, I think there was a, a brief conversation. They were really, really, really chuffed when Ron Dennis said no, because it meant they didn't have to have it. Because the last thing they wanted was to be hidebound with another engine that was way, way back in the development curve. The uh, uh, There was an interesting comment from Christian Horner at the weekend when interviewed when he said... Uh, being asked about Honda, what about Honda? Why don't you ask Ron Dennis? Was his answer to that? Yeah, because Ron said no, because Ron's got an exclusive, and he's gone. As he says, he's gone through the pain, and he wants to get the reap the benefits. That's if there are benefits to be reaped, of course. But of course, but Red Bull did say they paid their entry fee, so they've entered next year. They're like four or five hundred thousand pounds. The scheme at five dollars isn't an awful lot, one way or other. And also, uh, while well, on the subject of Red Bull, the uh, people who stole their trophies have been sentenced. I saw that. Yeah, they caught them. Amazing. This was uh, this was a a group of scallywags who <laughs> scallywags, crims, who, who ram raided ram raided the former um, Jaguar factory in Milton Keynes, where Red Bull are based, and uh, stole a whole load of. Replica trophies? Um, no, they were some yes. real ones, but they weren't the important ones. Right, okay. And how long did they get then, Tim? They were locked away for uh, life. Well, six weeks. They were sentenced for this and several other crimes, including uh, a break in a Mercedes Benz dealership in Weybridge in Surrey, where they drove the Mercedes Benz around the dealership. Yeah, but it wasn't a real Mercedes Benz, it was uh, <laughs> just a replica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they also uh, rammed their vehicle into a shop in Twyford in Berkshire. Berkshire? Berkshire? Berkshire. And, and what shop was that? Uh, it's an unnamed shop. Oh, okay. Uh, and they also uh, tried to blow up an ATM in a petrol station. Still, look, if they're quite varied, aren't they? <laughs> they're, they're, they're not. They're not. They're not really. You're not like trapped by a modus operandi because apparently it's another random attack. Oh, it's them then. Mm. They're, they're not looking at the pattern. Uh, we've now got on Twitter, and I've retweeted thanks to Simon Hoff, to Mark, Magnus Berglund, uh, Stuart Hart, and others. A very, very. Uh, Etch-a-Sketch drawn Mazda uh, Group S3 rotor, the what has to be the ugliest uh, Lancia <laughs> in the world. Even that's the first time Martini colours have done nothing for a car. <laughs> I've retweeted them at Spectatement. Um, uh, also, Simon has got the MR2, which we um, We've seen the carbon one, the black one. There's a white one as well, I believe. Uh, those cars were meant to have How been... How much money was wasted on Group S that never actually ran? Well, probably not as much as people think because they were going to be built in such small numbers. The, uh, the whole thought process behind them, Nick, was not as much money as having to build 100 or 25 or whatever it was, homologation specials of 205 T16s, or all three seven Lanciers, or whatever they were, um, RS 200s called the RS 200 because the two of them they had to build 200 of them, and then when they built the Evo, you only had to build 20 of the Evo. There you go. There, I've just remembered the old Group B regulations there. Um, so you know, imagine the kind of investment that a manufacturer had to make to build 200 cars. Um, it's it's not dissimilar, of course, to what Ford are having to do again. With the Ford GT, because to build... Yeah, a thousand, though, everyone. Because um, they're a proper manufacturer. No, I think it's I think it's a hundred. I think there has to be a hundred streetcars um, of the Ford GT. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as the road car, but there has to be a hundred streetcars before they can race in the FIA World Endurance Championship. IMSA, it doesn't matter because they don't have that, those regulations, but... There we go. Um, right, inside the last half hour of the programme. Any more on F1, Tim, or is... Uh, can I can I finish this story? Oh yes, sorry. Yes, we got to. Asked me a question, then didn't let me answer it. Oh, yes, go oh, on. Well, you know. uh, so, thirty-eight-year-old Danny Stevens of Yateley in Hampshire was jailed for seven years. Twenty-four-year-old uh, Paul Smith of uh, Sherlock Row in Berkshire was sentenced to He's six years. He's not really living in a place called Sherlock, is he? Finding yes. him was elementary Sherlock then, Rowe. clearly. Hey. Uh, he he was only involved in nine of the offences. Uh, how how many sentence. have they actually been done for in total then? You mentioned the four exciting ones. You mentioned the four, which are great. Forty-one-year-old Jason Eastwood of Farnborough uh, received three years and four months. He uh, admitted being a conspirator and being involved in four of the offences. Twenty-four-year-old Luke Cole of Doncaster uh, received two years in prison for his part in the burglary in uh, of the co-op in Shinfield. And. they just kind of driving around in a car thinking, what should we do? Oh, let's steal that. Let's ram rape that. Let's break yeah. that. It's like, you know, this is the most random crime spree ever. And, you know, let's, dri- let's drive to Milton Keynes from Berkshire, which is a few miles, and let's just drive into the front of the Red Bull and steal some trophies. Yes. Uh, the prosecution was actually brought by Surrey police. 
um, think... because uh, it was considered that the uh, breaking to a Mercedes dealership in Weybridge was the most serious of the offences. I think so as well. <laughs> Weybridge, kind of that. Uh, and and the Red Bull trophies were later recovered from Horseshoe Lake in Yateley. <coughs> Excuse me. Finally, who's very, very annoying? Um, Christian Horner? No. I know this one. Go on then. Who, who's, 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 there's no one faster than him. Pasta. Mm-hmm. Pasta's very annoying. He's, he has annoyed a woman. He's, he incurred the wrath of a woman in Manisha Kaltenborn. Has he? Yeah, because he, he, he punted yeah. off um, uh, Ericsson, wasn't it? Marcus Ericsson, by getting his corner wrong, going right over um, a, uh, a curb, then bounced off and, and punted Ericsson off and ruined his race. And he's very annoying. Um, a number of people, including uh, Johnny uh, up in London, have said that Sherlock Holmes in the books never said elementary. Yeah, but it's the name of the, the, the American TV series. Ooh, Bastos. That's an Opel. That's an Opel Group S car. We are getting the well done, for the everybody. For benefit of those of you at home, Nick and uh, John are <laughs> looking at a picture. pictures. There's only they can see. Looking <laughs> at a red and white Opel Astra Group S car, which mm. went on to do rally raids. When he raids. said Bastos, I guessed it was red and white. Yeah, there you see. There you go. See, I painted pictures with words. Mm. <laughs> I just that radio thing. Right, let's move along and uh, move on to sports cars. At the weekend, it's the last yeah. six hours of the... World Endurance Championship. It's over so soon. I know, it, except we're in almost into December. It's the end of November, isn't it? Um, possibly the most... Uh, no, I was going to say the most interesting. One of the most interesting things about the weekend will be what happens at, at the end of the season, which we'll talk about the driver test in a wee while. Party. But on, which I have to leave halfway through to catch a flight, uh, rather annoyingly. The um, uh, In terms of titles, actually... Most of them, the vast majority, have gone down to the wire. I believe it's only the uh, Porsche winning the Manufacturers World Championship. Well done them um, after in just their second season. And Rebellion have won the team's title in Privateers. Everything else is still up for grabs to a great. Has the CLM actually finished a race yet? Yes, of course it has. Okay. It's it's split the. Two rebellions. Uh, no, no, the rebellions have been horribly unreliable this year as well, actually. Last two races, the CLM's been getting better and better. They've got a new car coming for next no, year. No, no, no. If, um, Captain Coles, yeah. If you um, if you read my article on Grid1.tv, you'll find out <laughs> all about it. All right, I'll do um, that. The uh, drivers' championship is the one everyone's talking about. Um, the seven car: Marcel Fesler, Ben Trelleuwe, and uh, Andrea Lotterer have it all to do, really, strictly speaking, it's Porsches to lose, to coin a very badly worded uh, phrase, uh, with Mark Webber, Timo Bernard and Brendan Hartley uh, having what looks to be an unassailable lead. They would have to finish fourth and not have got pole position for and, and the Audi to win, the seven Audi to win, for them not to win the Drivers' Championship. So they break down, though, and the Audi wins, they don't win. Um, if they don't finish, if they're not moving at the end of the race, you you don't get the points. So, and you remember Porsche pushed out the 18 car after the Juliet 6 issue at the Circuit of the Americas to get manufacturer's points. And it, its last lap was something ridiculous, like 40 minutes or something, um, because of where they were based in the pit lane, which is quite funny. 
because they'd crossed the line coming into the pits and then not moved for half an hour and then went out at the end to finish off. Actually, I don't think it was that long, but it was a good 12 or 13 minutes, I think. Um, so not only have both Audis got to be ahead of it, but a, a Toyota's got to be ahead of it at all as well. All oh, right, okay. That's to, because obviously, if the if the 18 car's ahead of it, it's going to pull over, isn't it? So, however, that you, you're right. It doesn't. It does have to be rolling at the chequered flag. So you know, if it goes off early doors and they can't get it fixed, or it goes off at the end and they can't get it fixed, then yes, you're right. It it could still be, it could still be uh, an issue. The more yeah, interesting. I'm I'm, I'm 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 already giving these options for your commentary. Mm. He's I, leading my four laps. But he breaks down. <laughs> I think, for me, the more interesting battles in the GT field, particularly between those old sparring partners of Porsche and Ferrari, because the manufacturers and teams championships uh, are still up for grabs. Well, Aston the got their balanced performance back, haven't they? Aston Which unbalanced them completely. They have been. They've gone back to early season, yeah, and uh, that's both for the Pro and the Am cars. And the Porsche, the Am Porsche, has been disadvantaged by five kilos, I think. They've had five kilos put on, I can't remember. No, Patrick Dempsey. He's it, filming. He's Bridget Jones, part three. Clash, the baby, Bridget Jones's baby. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he'll be in and around Notting Hill in this weekend rather than being in, uh, in Bahrain. And it's Christian Reed, I believe, who is going to, to sub for him. Um, you've watched a bit of it this season. I've seen a bit more of it than you, but well, I hope so. You were there. I know, but I forget it so quickly. <laughs> the um, it, it's been. I think it's been a decent season, though, hasn't it? Um, I think it started well, um, and then you realised that it wasn't just aero. You realised that Toyota had dropped the ball entirely. How annoying must it be for Toyota, though? Oh, they've, they've completely you, underestimated the, the, the you speed beat, of development. You beat your own lap record of Fuji by two and a half seconds and you're fifth and sixth. I know, because they didn't realise how fast everyone else moved. I mean, Audi um, obviously got to kick up the, the backside of the previous year and Porsche just optimised everything. Um, but then when it became pretty obvious that Porsche was actually quite a bit better than Audi post Le Mans, um, it's kind of got a little bit where you realise if they're going to run clear laps, the Porsches are going to be able to do it, not just in qualifying the race as well. So, you know, it's 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 the three teams aren't as close as you'd like them to be. The, the front, the the hybrid, the, sorry, the non-hybrid P1 has been a sorry has been a you know a, a battle of attrition in cars not being as reliable as they should be. Um, I mean, P2's been great as always, and has has GTE Pro, but GTE Pro, I, I, this could be looking the other. Seems to be more affected by Bob than than usual. It's taken people in and out rather too often. I think the band's performance in GTE uh, Pro and GTM, obviously, it's uh, it's just who's got the best combination of amateurs, really. But uh, I mean, it's, it's been, I think I think what it has been is, is a indication of how well the the, the championship's growing, it's established itself, it's looking to have an extra round on. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely you know a place now where people are talking about they want to be. You know, it's suddenly become seen as a, a legitimate course for for the top drivers. So you know, in what in three years, it's the third or fourth year of the actual WEC, it's really moved on. You know, a pace. And what it needs now is what most race teams do. So they need the uh, the people at the front to get themselves a bit closer. You need Toyota to make a big step forward to join the other two, and then we'll have a much more. Uh, I suppose yeah, a much more uh, attractive uh, race for the people who are less interested in all four classes. The at the sharp end of the field, the the talks about engine parity to 
for the privateers. Now, you know, we talk blithely, don't we, about the front and the back of the, the grid at Formula One. And I have been heard to say, well, you know, it's a meritocracy. Do better with what you've got. Yeah. Why should that be any different in WEC? Well, it's not in. Uh, it shouldn't be any different in P1. It's down to the, the drivers, the, the P1 hybrid. It's down to the uh, teams to sort themselves out. Toyota need to, to step up and, and and develop the car. So that's fine. I don't think. I think the engines. I think the engines are the most one of the most interesting parts of the uh, the whole package. The differences and the the use of power and everything else. I don't. I've, uh, obviously, the, effectively in P2. The, you know, and also LMP1 hi- uh, non-hybrid, the engine is not a deciding factor because you know, they have the same ones or can have the same ones. Uh, what I was going for there was that in Formula One, the privateer team has been legislated out of existence. You can't now buy last year's car and buy an yeah, engine yeah. and not have yeah, to you're develop, you, you, you haven't not have to develop period, your yeah. own chassis. You can you know, as you could have done. And, all right, maybe you wouldn't be competitive throughout the season, but at a track with a driver that knew the, the track well, on a set of tyres that might work there, there would have been a time many, many, many moons ago when you might have got a result, possibly even a win. In sports car racing, we are going down that route. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure that that's the best thing for the sport. If my worry is... That if you legislate out privateers from P1, um, which has effectively already been done, there's now nowhere for them to go because there's no engineering within LMP2. Stracker, Rebellion, anyone else who wants to build a chassis, sorry, LMP2 is not for you. From 17, you become a race team. You run somebody else's kit. All you've got to do is get your stickers right, check the tyre pressures, and point it in the right direction when you pat the driver on the head and tell them which way to turn out the garage. There's not going to be a huge amount of engineering involved, and indeed, you're going to be forbidden, of course, from making changes uh, to the car, in even in aero, in FIA World Championship and Le Mans uh, regulations. So where do these guys go? Where do the Rebellions, the Strackers, and others go to do that and the answer is not in sports car racing they either go to another form of motor racing or they leave motor racing altogether and that to me would be very sad but the what is the solution for that you, 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 there's no way they'd be able to compete with the with the manufacturers and the hybridization because it's just mind-numbingly expensive um the wc wants the manufacturer because they're the ones who effectively pay for the package um unless you open up uh, P1 into ELMS, which you could do, they could do that if they wanted to, or you um, make it an attractive sub championship with the correct amount of, I don't know, uh, guaranteed publicity, um, prize money, whatever it is, so that you get more than two teams or you know, three cars entry into into P1 light. Perhaps you call it something else, it's not called P1, like it's called, you know, to give it a, a greater aura. There's a kind of a marketing element to this, and there's an L1. internal marketing. Yeah, there's a marketing element to this as well. But the fact is, you know, I think you know, there's, there's people who've been thinking about moving into um, P1 um, privateer, but they just moved away. They, they, they haven't done it because it doesn't make sense financially, and that that can, making sense financially can be changed round. That can be organ. That can be changed by the organisers. The, the other part of that, which I'm sure we'll discuss over the winter period, or certainly in the preview, 
to WEC next year with Graham. And it's something that we've spoke to a lot of people around the paddock. There is a big move to have a fully pro driver LMP2 category in order to be able to capture some of the huge amount of finances that there is for up-and-coming young drivers who have hit a bottleneck in GP2, GP3. We've reported, in fact, we brought the news yeah, to yeah. me on this programme of Jota and Arden getting together. Now, I see the I see the business case in doing that. My worry is, once again, what, what happens to the lifeblood of the sport and the lifeblood of, of, of sports car and GT, endurance and GT racing. It has always been the, the wealthy amateur mm-hmm. uh, or the enthusiastic amateur, either buying a team and running it or buying a team and racing it or just buying a drive. So do you just change the LMP1 light rules? So you, you effectively make them a bit like P2, perhaps a bit less restrictive but on, on the same sort of silhouette, and you say you can have this much power, but you try and reduce the costs in some way. So I, I think ultimately you'll have to have unfortunately we'll have to complicate things even further by having a p2 pro and a p2 am category because that's why you've got the am category in gt because in the old days there wasn't enough professional drivers who wanted to come gt racing because there wasn't the rewards yeah, but there's in manufacturers in gt pro there's not manufacturers in there wouldn't be manufacturers in p2 pro so i think no but there'll be very very i predict there'll be very very professional teams uh like uh Jota, like Arden, I don't think those will be the last people that you hear getting together, coming in from single-seater ranks, and they will run it like single-seaters, and they will charge money like they do for single-seaters as a quote-unquote stepping stone to a potentially professional racing career in LMP1. The other thing that could happen, of course, and I'd kind of like to see this happen before it took over in P2, I'd like to see Pay drivers in P1, in P1 hybrid. I'd like to see the works cars putting out additional cars that would be paid for by pay drivers. We know that there are some people on the back of the F1 grid who want to make the jump across. Yeah, there's um, money there. And the kind of money that's being asked is is nowhere near. The problem is though is that the the three even manuf- GP2 and GP3 money would manuf- get you on a P1 grid. But the three manufacturers you got in have got so much more than just running a car to make some money tied up in the in, in That's the, very it's, true. It's just the the, it, the whole it's the Audi way, it's the Porsche way, it's the Toyota way. It's you know the drivers are you know rep, core representatives, core sportsmen, core sports athletes. They are living in embodiments of the brand as much as they are. Uh, guys who are turning up, and that's why, in many ways, there's quite low turnover of drivers within those those ranks. Um, mm. You know, if you look at the, the most of the guys who've run for two major P1 teams have only done that because Peugeot pulled out. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. We'll have more of this over the Christmas uh, period as well. And talking about Christmas, uh, we will be running Eve's Christmas presents oh, good. again this year and uh, the responsible adult has just told me that we will be getting a discount code for the Duke DVT well in time for uh, Christmas and the Spider Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective uh, clothing line will have an online offering as well um, which is just as Alan McNish is a big fan of that and I have to get him uh, one 
Um, I, I'm not sure we do action men sizes, but we'll we'll see. There'll be no VAT on it, but we'll be yeah. which is uh, fantastically good. Uh, so listen out for that. Uh, we've got a uh, an exciting panoply of potential present ideas oh, you go for, it. for the Christmas <laughs> period um, uh, with Eve's Christmas presents uh, coming up once we kick into uh, December. Tim, you've got a bit of IndyCar news before we uh, move on to press releases uh, of the pointless variety. Starting with a question. Oh. 42. Which, se- which city mm-hmm. hosted the first non-oval race in the history of of the Verizon IndyCar series. Portland. Miami. Verizon is quite new. I'm just naming cities now. Um, uh, you mean not on a track? You mean as a street course? Or do you just mean anything that wasn't a novel? non-oval race. Was it Sao Paulo? Verizon. It was. Verizon's fairly new. Yeah, and they were were running in South Africa, weren't they? They were running in Brazil. Uh... St. Peter's, it would be, it'd be either, it'd be St. Peter's, Petersburg. It will be St. Petersburg. Because it's the first on the calendar. Not the Russian one, though. Back in all, 2005. All the way to Russia um, for that one. And uh, the good news for fans of St. Petersburg and residents of St. Petersburg is that they've committed to going <laughs> back there until of... 2020. Oh, that's good. So nearly half past eight, then. Yes. Uh, they've also <laughs> said that uh, for 2016, 17, and 18, it will remain the season opener. What happens in 19 and 20 then? No decision has been made. Mm. So it may still be the. Uh, but that mean, are they still right? Opener. Does that mean they're going to continue with this very condensed calendar for the next three years then? No. Have you not seen uh, next pull year's IndyCar calendar? Oh god, have I just given you a chance to read the calendar out? I'm so sorry, listener. <laughs> <laughs> I've just. Cre- I I've just. Oh, no, no. For listeners. <laughs> To the episode of uh, was it 44 or 45 oh. of Midweek Motorsport, where Marshall reads out the uh, 2016 Verizon IndyCar. Oh, thank God, I've got, I think I got away with it. That's good. I I, I probably wasn't there for that one. I have to Maybe be honest. I, do, I think you I, might have been in Copenhagen. Yeah, I do tend to glaze over on calendar um, announcements anyway. I live in the now. I'm in the now. I like Saint Petersburg. It's always been one of my favourite places to go. And race. It's a tr- it's a fabulous track, considering it's a sort of street track. It, it really is quick round the back of the sweeping S's. You get the car unsettled just before you come into that right-handed hairpin at the end of the lap. Uh, it's a great town. Um, I think it's probably the only city I've been to where if the sun doesn't shine on any given day, the local paper is free. Wow. I think I think that's. I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you can look that up on somewhere. I, that's one of those silly facts that I have sitting in my head that's just popped up. Um, so there you go. It's a great fact. I like it. Um, it, is, it is one of my, honestly, one of my favourite places to go. They, they, they do say that the the West Coast is the best coast, don't they? As far as Florida, they do concerned. it in Cornwall, is that as well? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll upset Shea and everybody on the uh, the east coast of Florida. Uh, by uh, by saying that, but it um, it is a great city. Uh, it's a great uh, great place to go. They put on a very very good event. Um, fantastic stuff. Is All that is that your news then, Tim? I think you had something ground uh, that, earth shattering. The earth shattering news that uh, we're going to be going to or IndyCar is going to be going to St Petersburg 
again. for uh, the next five years. In- interestingly enough, you sometimes don't get the best of IndyCar races at St. Pete's because it's so tight. Um, Is that one where they all pile in the first couple of corners? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you use the airport runway as oh, the main straight, which is, which is fantastic. Um, right, uh, just about it for tonight, but we have got time got for a couple, pointless... couple more things. Right, oh, okay, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, IndyCar related, uh, oh. which is uh, Carlos Munoz ah, is yes. uh, going back to Andretti. Right, right. It's Frankie Munoz going as well. That's only people uh, in the UK would know that well, who that was. Okay. People okay. of a certain age would know that. Uh, and also, uh, there's been some very Shay says East is best. Where, where uh, are you listening, Shay? I thought you were on the way home. I bet she's sitting in Marion's having a ice cream or something before she leaves dear She'll be listening to us in the, in the car. car oh, yeah, she will be, of course. Wi-Fi or something, Advanced won't she? Advanced sort of communications tuning radio. A very long piece of string. <laughs> and uh, IndyCar is getting more popular in Canada as well. Okay, than what? Than it used to be. Uh, than it used to be with a cumulative increase of 146% in TV audiences since 2013. So it's two and a half times. Uh, And for 25 to 34-year-olds, which is what advertisers like most, a 1,000% increase. I want to ask a question. Yeah. This is not really for this show. Why are advertisers so interested in 25 to 34? Because... I'll take it for nothing. I've got a lot more money to spend now. I'm 50 and one year past that key demographic than I had when I was 25 when I was just paying a mortgage the whole time. I've got loads of cash to splash. They're not interested in me. You waste money as almost as... A hobby. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, almost on a professional basis. Thank you. And, and no, one, no one wants to know what I want to waste it on. I have been disenfranchised from my ridiculous overspending. <laughs> Dave Olcock, talking about ridiculous overspending, Dave Olcock says, any F1 champagne test bottles or almost complete uh, garage ridge t- or as he likes to call them titanium meccano on the christmas present show oh i'm not sure about that i have to ask the uh, <laughs> responsible adult uh plane announced says chris suku so he's off uh, back home again he says just as we go through eve chris eve's christmas draws moving on <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there's anything I can add to that. No, really. Uh, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been able to find um, the time. a pointless press release this week. Oh, where? Really? A whole week of nothing but pointful press releases. I know, but out up here on the 34th floor, I've... Uh, not, I'm not able to get into one of my email accounts. Ah. So uh, the one that often provides me with pointless. Uh, is that the, is that the junk mail? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's also the one that all the NASCAR press releases go to, and it I know there have mail, been a huge quantity of them uh, relating They're to the final season finales uh, this weekend. Uh, this weekend, of course, it is the GP2 and GP3 catch-up races, Porsche GT3. Cup Challenge Middle East plus the MRS, MRF single seaters, which I always think should be put slot here into. That is a much better program than when we went there two years ago and they had the world's worst race ever. Do you remember that? Uh, the touring cars where the, nothing these actually finished. Hondas and the, the, the car. <laughs> they had this brilliant pull shot of this car which was leading, coming up over a hill, and it got slower and slower and so they still pulling, and then it stopped, and then the wheel carried on going without. The guy got out and he basil faulty kicked it he because really the did. wheel had fallen off. 
You do like a bit of car doing a quick lap time. I seem to remember you looking at, uh, was it a Lavaggi at Spa oh, one yeah. time where the front the, the nose, the nose went straight on at a corner? Yeah, the, the nose didn't make the first corner, but was the car did. Was it a Lavaggi? Did. did I just remember yes, that No, Lavaggi was driving. Yeah, he was his own car, yeah. Right. The, the car designed with a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have any curves. Um, that's uh, Nick Damon. Uh, we will, of course, be bringing you uh, the WEC race, which is on Saturday. Saturday, the WEC race um, this weekend, um, which means the uh, pre-event press conference is tomorrow local time, about six o'clock, I think. And instead of drivers, it's going to be team principals. Mm. So go on to Ask WEC or uh, on the website or on Twitter uh, your questions please for the team principals uh, in the pre-event press conference talk about next year's cars see if you can get anything out of them I think it's going to be Sam Smith who deputises for me as my plane won't be getting in Uh, I'll still be two hours away uh, at that point Uh, qualifying for uh, FIA WEC for those of you who are apt up is uh, five o'clock in the afternoon Middle Eastern time and the race starts on Saturday. I'm going to keep saying that. Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Middle East time. And at this time of the year, it's, are there three hours ahead of There's us? four hours. Four hours ahead of us. Okay, four so hours. that's going to be 11 o'clock so, UK. Do the rest of the arithmetic yeah, so yourself. Join Johnny, Bruce and Trusters at 10.30 for the Nismo Countdown to Green. The final Nismo Countdown to Green of the WEC season. But next week, we'll be talking about additions to our calendar and some new things new for you to get excited about our coverage of uh, in 2016. And possibly a little Christmas cracker for you. No, really? Yes, even before. We might be popping a cracker early in December. We'll give you all the details of that on next week's Midweek Motorsport. Thank you very much to Jonathan Palmer. Johnny. Yes. Jonathan Palmer. Thank you very much. He for always calls me that in an official uh, capacity. Official, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Good luck with your he track ne- building in France. Talk to Jonathan Palmer, though. Yeah, he will be one of these days. I'm sure we have to get him an honorary PhD from somewhere so we can call him Dr. Jonathan Palmer. That'd be very good. Johnny, thanks for uh, standing in in London. Your uh, your travelling and your um, hard work and technical ability is much appreciated. Thank you very much. My great pleasure. Uh, and Aww. we will get Johnny's. We will get Johnny's uh, nominations for the I Respect Man of the Year Awards show uh, coming up in uh, December. Tim Gray was on the 34th floor, but that's all we can say. Thank you, Tim. It's gone. Thank you, John. No, he's still there. There's quite, quite a long delay. Uh, Shea Adam it's is. It's a long way up. I think uh, yes, that's a, that's the thing. Uh, the. Uh, Shea Adam is probably in a car. heading down. Now, what will it be? Um, 85 or 95? I can never remember. I something. I, or is it I5 that she's I going four? down at A1 the moment? Shea, uh, thank you very much for not only your uh, contribution tonight, but don't forget, stay tuned for a double helping of Gearbox Girl. Uh, yesterday and today's action at Daytona for the first action of the 2016 WeatherTech Championship, effectively. Uh, an IMSA Radio production coming up next with... 
uh, Gearbox Girl. The responsible adult was, uh, of course, Eve Hewitt, and the Frangipani top pies are mince pies are fantastic. Nick Damon has been here as well. I'm John Hindorf. Uh, don't forget to tune in for the final round of the FIA World Endurance Championship on Saturday here on RadioLamont.com. Check the front page and your local listings for details, but there's no time to explain because the llama is already eating brandy cream. <laughs> This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.